This episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For a free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show with the movie review podcast for filmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian Jerome. With me today, we have Bill Graham. Fuck them bees. <laughs> we also have Robin Barr. Yeah, have his glasses. <laughs> I can't see without my glasses. <laughs> is that, what the hell is that from, Bill? I don't, uh, that's Velma. Oh, okay. I was like, "That's is that Scooby Doo?" Because it almost sounded like yeah, Marge c- Simpson, but I didn't. Yeah, remember I couldn't. Her I couldn't quite. R- I couldn't quite nail her voice. Her voice is very specific. So, yeah. All right. Well, valiant effort. And with us today, <laughs> a very special guest to talk about my girl. It's Heather Schwedell. Hi, sunshine on a cloudy day. Yes, that. Um. <laughs> so clearly, I had an obvious choice. For the opening song for this. And um, it was The Flight of the Bumblebee. Uh, My backup was obviously The Temptations classic from which this movie takes its name. But I decided not to go there. Uh, You can look forward to hearing that at the end of the episode. And um, we're excited. You've been doing more obvious ones lately. Is... is, um, You've even pulled from the from the movies. Okay, I'm sorry. But when a movie begins (laughs) with a song called May We Start... And I'm about to start a podcast, and I also want to <laughs> let people who haven't seen the movie know how shitty that movie is. I have to use that song. Okay. And then when enough. we spend the entire episode making fun of one of the songs, I just, I have to do it. I have to put that song at the end so people, once again, understand how terrible that, that movie is. We're talking about Annette, Heather. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. um, I, uh, yeah, I didn't get that, but thanks for Be thankful and lucky and happy. Yeah. That you didn't get that. Um, I I like Flight of the Bumblebee as a choice for this, though. That it it's um it is dark, but I think it works. It is. I am um, I have to say, uh, to anyone out there listening, you can fall down the world's greatest YouTube rabbit hole looking up different like accomplished soloists playing Flight of the Bumblebee on all of their various instruments. It's truly incredible like there is some really awesome incredible stuff rafael menendez uh if you look up him playing flight of the bumblebee on the trumpet on the goddamn (laughs) trumpet i'm looking at it and i'm just like there's no possible way show me a a tuba the man was a master of breath control and his fingers are just going nuts so yeah Look up just any any flight of the bumblebee solo thing. It's it's one of those things that people just like bust out to prove how awesome they are. I want a tuba. I, I mean, want a Dan Aykroyd. Let's see, flight of the bumblebee tuba. It's there. You can find it. <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll play it at the end of this episode. All right. <laughs> anyway, um. What are we here to talk about? We're here to talk about My Girl, and we are here with our special guest, Heather. Heather, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. Um, I am a staff writer at Slate, where I write about culture and human interest, and I love My Girl, so that's why I'm here. <laughs> All right. Woo. It's a good set of uh, reasons to be here. 
And yes, we are once again talking about My Girl, the 1991 film directed by Howard Zeef. Is that correct? Does anyone know? I um, trust you. I think that's right. I think I, I saw it because it, it's it has like a W in it, right? But um, oh, see, I think I saw IMDb, it somewhere. It's, it's just Z-I-E-F-F, Howard. Oh, never mind. <laughs> but I, that sounds right. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then this movie stars uh, Anna Klumsky. Uh, who you might know from Veep, Macaulay Culkin, who you might know from the Pizza Underground, and Dagan Aykroyd, <laughs> who once again is a massive uh, paranormal fanboy who believes in crystal skulls. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Dan Aykroyd is like crazy about paranormal stuff. He is absolutely nuts. And um, I think he is the founder of Crystal Skull Vodka because once again, <laughs> okay. he's obsessed with crystal skulls. <laughs> is this not a known thing? Like, like the the whole like uh, dichotomy between him and Bill Murray on Ghostbusters is like pretty much reality. What? Oh wow! Yeah, like well, Dan no. Aykroyd firmly believes this stuff. I think Dan Aykroyd has really receded into like he's just not as big as Bill Murray anymore. So I mean, we can get into that more later. So I think if Bill Murray were really into crystals, like. Everyone would know that. But Dan Aykroyd is very 90s. So, yeah, talking about it. All right. Well, I'm excited to talk about My Girl. Before we do that, all the usual stuff. You can find us on Twitter at Film State Show, Facebook, The Film State Show. Email us, podcastfilmstage.com. And, of course, find us on iTunes to give us a comment and rating. And you can become a patron of this podcast by going to patreon.com slash The Film Stage Show. For as little as $1 an episode, you get access to our Slack channel. And first crack at all of our movie-related raffles from thefilmstage.com. And we are brought to you by Mubi, which is a curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, Mubi premieres a brand new film, whether it is a timeless classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece. Uh, there's bound to be something that you've either never seen or that you've been dying to see. There's always something new to discover because they produce or <laughs> produce. They bring to you a brand new film <laughs> every single day. With movie, each and every film is hand selected, so you never spend more time looking for something great to watch. And instead, you will actually be watching something great. It's like a personal film festival that you could stream anytime, anywhere. Um, there's a lot of great stuff on there. Um, I'm still looking forward to seeing 2000 Days on Earth, uh, which is about Nick Cave. And we've talked about a whole bunch of other stuff that is on there. I'm looking at a bunch of it now. Life and Nothing More from Antonio Mendez Esperanza. Uh, My Love, Don't Cross That River from 2004 film from Mo Young Jing. I mean, there's just, oh my God, there's so much stuff on here. I am like exhausted by the amount of great stuff that's on movie that I like never have a chance to watch. But actually one of the things that's great about movie is that you can see how many days you have left. So it adds a sense of urgency that might actually force you to watch a movie <laughs> um, instead of, uh, I don't know if something's on Netflix and you're like, it'll be there forever. And then it's not, which is a great segue to talk about my girl, which is on Netflix. But first let me remind everyone that you can get a free 30 day trial subscription to movie by going to mubi.com slash film stage. Again, that is mubi.com slash film stage for a whole month of great cinema for free. And that's that. So yeah, my girl, it's on Netflix as well as its sequel, uh, which I promised myself I would try to watch, but once again was unable to. So I was only able to see the actual film, my girl, which, um, 
I am. Um, I just want to read the IMDb synopsis of this movie because it's insane. And one of the things that I'm going to talk about is how this movie kind of defies a very easy, like, synopsis. But the IMDb one is a young girl on the threshold of her teen years finds her life turning upside down when she is accompanied by an unlikely friend. What is what is that? Accompanied where? Why is there a comma after upside down? Anyway, um, what a what an insane logline to give a movie. Lots to understand. Is that real? That is like what that? is on IMDb. I'm going to read from the poster now. Okay. <laughs> when your dad's an undertaker, your mom's in heaven, and your grandma's got a screw loose, it's good to have a friend who understands you, even if he's a boy. My girl. <laughs> No, wow. that's also very complicated. Though that gets it more than the IMDb, right? One, like that's right? Yeah. still a crazy way to put it. But like, like the, you know, the, I the, guess. Oh my god, the conflict of this movie is not that Thomas J is a boy. Right. This like, is the thing: is that I like I the this makes it sound like this movie is like what if a girl and a boy are friends? It's Harry met Sally, <laughs> but like you know they're eleven. <laughs> Totally. You know, can wow. these two guys actually just be platonic friends who hang out by a boat dock that never? Those eleven-year-olds can they be platonic? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, yes. So this is a movie that holds a uh, special place in many of our hearts, and I am looking forward to talking about it. We're talking about it because we are approaching the 30th anniversary. And uh, this is what uh, Robin Barr called a quintessential summer movie. And so here we are oh. in the last week of summer. What did Bill, what did you say? I said, whoa. <laughs> Were you not here when she said that? <laughs> I don't remember. Bill, are you high again? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> is there a puppet in the room with you, Bill? Is no, her name is Annette? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ooh. Annette. Don't go to the light, no matter how many times she sings for you to do it. Anyway, here is the trailer for my girl. There he was, just a walking down the street, singing. Later, Dad. I'm embalming my high school teacher. Don't sing. That's my best friend, Veda Saltenfuss. Veda and Thomas. Most of the girls don't appreciate her. I always surround myself with people who I find intellectually stimulating. A lot of the guys are a little afraid of her. Okay, lean forward. <laughs> but she's more fun to be around than anyone I know. This summer, though, things are changing for everyone. Have you ever kissed anyone? No. All right, so that is part of the trailer for My Girl, which once again really leans heavily on the friendship between these two. Um, I don't understand it. Truly and don't. it's funny that Macaulay Culkin is narrating the, the trailer. Mm -hmm. From maybe heaven. From maybe from beyond the grave, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I a, still haunt her to this day. This is a great time to mention that this is a classic review, so there is no spoiler section. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's super weird because like, you know, what's funny. It, like this makes it seem as though he is the Mai in, and she mm -hmm. is the girl in the title. I mean, my girl. Oh, maybe I'm actually curious. Is. I mean, who who is the Mai? 
I literally don't know. I don't even I, I know why. We it's are called. the Mai. I think the audience is the Mai. So we like have a collective girl. ownership of Veda. Well, yeah. I was I was reading that this movie, like it kind of had a few different titles over the, the course of its existence. I, I don't know how true this is. I probably literally read this on Wikipedia. And oh, so it's totally true. <laughs> um, and you know that there was a contest to rename it, and there was kind of a thing, you know, in the '80s where they had movies named after classic songs like "Stand by Me." So I think they kind of just like went with that and didn't mm. think about it that much. Like, oh, she's a girl, my girl. <laughs> um, so it maybe they didn't think about who my was. So that I much either that's super interesting because I know that like there is a whole like all of um. Oh, like what's her name? Oh my God, how am I blanking on her name? It's complicated, and something's got to give. Nancy, Nancy Myers. Myers, yes, yeah. Like all of her movies, like the title is just a throwaway. Oh, mm-hmm. totally. It's just like I don't know. Like I'll just give it to a marketing it's firm. Complicated, and right? So it and that is a good point. Like, well, the boys have stand by me, right? Like, and they're all standing by each other, you know. <laughs> and yeah. in this movie, she's a girl. Maybe she's my girl. Yeah, and who's me and stand by me? Well, I think that it, the boys, well, that's, so that's the a, that's what, one of the things that the, not that we're here to talk about stand by me, but that movie is narrated by one of the boys as an older person. So at least then the first person article me has a possible owner, you know, <laughs> like he wants his friends to stand by him, even though they all fell out of touch and one of them got stabbed in the throat at a McDonald's or something. Um, <laughs> Which is again spoilers <laughs> for Stand by Me, I guess. So I went to I went to Wikipedia, and it does say that this was originally titled Born Jaundiced. Oh yes, yeah, I think we can all agree. My girl is still a better title. Yeah, Daily that. Variety then reported that the screenplay had been retitled to I Am Woman, uh-huh. and, and then it was changed oh, to the title My Girl. Yeah. So like, I feel my like girl? they. They landed on the, the winner of, of the bunch. Yes. Yeah. My girl is the best and like very memorable. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, maybe like, I don't know. I think legitimately the fact that Thomas J dies complicates who the my in that is. Cause if it was like his memory, then yeah, I guess my girl. And it's not like her dad would say. Yeah. Girl, or, or like Shelly or, or the teacher, like she's, she's kind of clearly, all of their, I don't know. She's yeah. She's everyone's girl. But so that's like, but she's clearly the point she's of view character. Her own girl, yes. Right. Yeah. So maybe she, maybe she's saying that this is her and she is her girl. <laughs> maybe. Oh boy. Maybe if I had watched My Girl too, I would have gotten some answers. Um, I love oh, My Girl no. too. By the way, I don't know if we are going to get. I that, do love My Girl too. I, the, I might like it more than My Girl. Do the proper. bees like follow I have her a to lot college, of and she has to like about fight them? My Girl too. <laughs> Okay, I want to read something that I was just looking at, which is uh, an article about the screenwriter who was like 27 when this got optioned. Um, So I'm really mad and jealous of her. And it says it was originally going to be much darker than it became. She said in the original script, the secondary character was the young girl's older sister who hid in the basement and never came out. That didn't work. So she changed the girl to a boy, a younger boy who dies when he is stung by a swarm of bees. Wait, but isn't the screenwriter a man? Uh, Loris? Uh, no, I think it's a woman. Oh, I, I guess I got confused looking at that. Um, I um, have been studiously avoiding 
all possible. Uh, I am looking at a picture, and this does appear to be a woman. Okay, Lawrence that makes or is it Larice? So more sense. I think I was just reading it as as a man's name. Oh, it's, okay. Here's the thing: if you're looking at a screenwriter in the early '90s, it is super safe to assume it is a man. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess. understand. <laughs> like, if I'd see, <laughs> but like, no way a man wrote this. No, movie. that it makes so no much offense. more sense. No, I'm that's. I, I didn't, yeah. you know, as a man, I would feel weird saying it, but I wanted to be like, I just feel like a man did not write this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels and a lot I more. Look at um, the the writer and um, the same person already also, I mean, they didn't do that much, but they wrote the Brady Bunch movie. So, oh, I, yeah, I, I love feel, those movies. And I the know. Amazing Panda so, Adventure. Oh, yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> um, what is that? It's, uh, well, Bill, oh. if you can't guess what the amazing panda adventure is about from the title, it's I don't know what to do. It doesn't sound like counting from panda and, enough. And for my me. girl, it, it's exactly what you think it is. Right, it's about a panda that gets stung by a bunch of bees. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's about a Fucking boy. Fucking bees, man. It's like, Jesus. from what I remember, because I saw it in theaters when I was like eight, it's about a boy who gets stuck in like the forests of China. And he has to go like he it's like an adventure where he brings a panda someplace. A young like, American boy visiting in China helps his zoologist father rescue a panda <laughs> cub from unscrupulous poachers. Unlike all those other ethical poachers, <laughs> while his panda reserve is threatened with closure from officious bureaucrats. I'm assuming that the well, his panda reserve, I'm assuming that his is the panda and not the boy. Or the poachers. So there is some pronoun confusion, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know who owns this panda reserve. But it sounds like a free willy type of thing. Like there are a lot of animal movies. Find a black and white animal, attach it to a boy with hopefully a troubled home environment, and then let that boy free that fucking creature. So like free (laughs) willy to be wild about a gorilla. Free Willy had the kid, you know, making Willy jump over a jetty. The Amazing Panda Adventure on the poster has the boy and the panda running across a rickety-ass bridge that appears to be two miles long. <laughs> if I was a PhD student, I would write my dissertation on the animal children movies of the 90s. I would do Andre. I would do Monkey Trouble. Oh, my God. Monkey Trouble. Dunstan you checks You and in. I are always on the same page about I know. Like random girl things. <laughs> monkey, but monkey Trouble. trouble. I've never heard so, of Monkey Trouble. And so I'm important. Does the monkey get into trouble? <laughs> the or the monkey is like a con artist. <laughs> Wait, the monkey's a con artist? <laughs> With yeah. Harvey Keitel. <laughs> what? And. And Thora Birch is yes. the main character. And she has a backwards cap, so you know it, she's cool. So oh, she's good. like a cool tomboy, is that? Yeah. It's one of... Yeah. There's also There's divorce, though, right? Uh, it's a 90s Disney movie. Like, there yeah. has to be divorce. There's also Buddy... I don't think there's a child in that, but Renee Russo is in it. And there's a, a baby gorilla that she raises that becomes her son. <laughs> there were a lot of those. There's, what about Baby, Secret of the Lost Legend? I have not seen that. That one's baby. a brontosaurus. Oh. No, I'm not familiar with that. Okay. I'm a, My favorite movie that no one talks about from the 90s is uh, Iron Will. Does anyone that know that one? That sounds vaguely familiar. It's, it's, wait, like wait, wait. A, it's like a sled dog thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's not the one with Paul Walker, is it? No, that's Snow Dogs. Or no, yes, no, that's no Five Below. I think is 
<laughs> is it, it's, is, it's, how many did he make? No, oh think, no. Oh yeah, he's. I think he's the um, he's the uh, the unscrupulous reporter who gets everyone to like Will Stoneman. But Will hmm. bonds with the dog. It's great. Um, five below, I think, is the one with Paul Walker because that's the one where he's like. He's left his t- dog sled team because he's supposed to be back in two days. But then they're like, the storm's too big. And he's like, no, I'm not going to leave my dogs to die. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I've never know. seen it. OK, well, we're uh, talking about it next week. And actually, it's called <laughs> Eight Below. And it is Paul Walker. And it's Five below. I was going to say it's that discount. Store. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. So it's, according to the poster, which is the only thing that we will ever use to tell what a movie is about. Eight Below is the most amazing story of survival, friendship, and adventure ever told. Hmm. It's inspired by a true story. And it's got eight huskies on the front, and it's now my new favorite movie. And this is the movie, my girl's movie, about one boy's adventure with a swarm of bees. (laughs) First of all, the boy's a dick to those bees. He gets what he deserves. Um could you it's thomas j i do love that every like he is thomas j like even the adults oh call him thomas j <laughs> the, the names in this movie are fantastic um veda Saltonfuss, but also thomas j it's never explained he's just thomas j well somewhere out there is a thomas c and a thomas like p and he's thomas j yeah but he's are thomas you- j senate that his last name is senate he's <laughs> not thomas s Oh no, Jay is his middle name. They say yeah. at yeah. the funeral, they say it's like James or something. So maybe there's another Thomas something Senate. He and so they could had have to been like... TJ, I guess. No, not no, back but in that, the 70s. That kid's not a TJ. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Also, he doesn't have the swagger to be a TJ. <laughs> no, not yet. I, he hasn't I grown love into that it. he's Thomas J. I just think that's such a well chosen, perfect detail yeah. i don't know i agree yeah i also it, would like to oh go ahead i was gonna say give it 10 years when he's like a documentarian living in soho then he'll be tj <laughs> well we all know he never gets to <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and he never becomes an acrobat either <laughs> look he was um, never gonna make it as an acrobat okay i would like <laughs> the to, bees saved him a lot of embarrassment <laughs> i would like to point out that this movie is set in 1972 it came mm-hmm. out in 2000 uh sorry 1991 sorry Set in 72, came out in 91, which means this movie, theoretically, if it came out now, would be set in 2002. Yep. I was thinking of that, too. Yeah, it's crazy. It It's like just a total like boomer thing. But I guess know, that we were so obsessed with the 60s and the 70s for so yeah. long. But well, Wonder Years was excellent. What's funny well, is yes, <laughs> that in watching this movie, I, it, I, until someone said like, hey, man, like it's 1972, um, which is not quite the line of dialogue, but really is like one of those shoehorned in. Well, there's in. one point he's like, the 70s chicks, they're all about their women's lib now. Right, well, but, that, but I mean, before I mean, that when was... Was the uh, the woman saying like that's not how people dress in 1972? Oh yeah, with the makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and when... it's like that picture was taken a month ago. And it's like oh, it's, I didn't want her to look like a like a school a, a preacher's wife. Old like school she was marm. school marm. Yeah. Like she yeah. was. Yeah. Marm. Wait, what were you saying, Bill? No, I, I was gonna say. Uh, I mean, clearly. Uh, 
Brian's saying that, you know, he got later into the film or uh, early into the film before he realized that, you know, it was 1970. But yeah, definitely by the time the uh, the writing uh, course starts and you have like the, the couple that are, you know, definitely the, the all a mesh. <laughs> Wait, yes. Are they a couple? Was the poem oh, yeah. about him? Yes. Oh yeah! It seemed oh. like it. He he had a very big grin on his face. Like yeah, he's got a BDE. Because I thought on. she was too good for him, or I don't know. I didn't think. I, didn't I think it was the seventies, man. Yeah, like, that's, that's, that's the thing. Score a hot chick in the seventies. Yes, very <laughs> much. Today, you I just guess. had to have like a, a half a gram of weed and like a working knowledge of what a guitar looks like, and you could get a really attractive <laughs> partner in the seventies. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> okay, but so the point That's... that I was trying to make was that, <laughs> was that you know maybe it's because it takes place kind of out in the country, but like I, if someone if they hadn't said like it's 1972, I could have firmly believed that like this movie took place in the 90s and that yeah. they were just like I think I feel like. One of the reasons we have such like, whoa, that's crazy reactions is that like technology has advanced so goddamn quickly, like starting in like mid 90s to now that like you like you tell when a movie's done now when a person picks up a phone. Right. Mm -hmm. But for like there was like a 40 year period where everyone just had a phone that came out of the wall. And so who even knew? to look at their pants to see if they were bell bottoms and that's all you had. <laughs> yeah, but we, those are back now, man. Like they came back in like the early 2000s. So yeah, but everyone but they went had, away again. They did. They did they go away again. again. Do you not know about skinny jeans, honey? I thought that we hated skinny jeans. Oh, I love skinny jeans. But did, weren't like 18 year olds making there fun of 30 year olds for skinny jeans? There is a war going on about skinny jeans. <laughs> oh, yeah. do tell. I trust Heather. She's got her finger on the button of culture. First of all, I'm uh, the one on TikTok here. But please, Heather. <laughs> this is a TikTok Jesus. thing. There yeah. was earlier this year, there was like intergenerational squabbling between the millennials and Gen Z over um, skinny jeans because and side parts yep. and also the the crying laughing emoji like all of those are just like millennial and like chuggy to use mm-hmm. another tiktok chuggy no <laughs> that's yeah. my my fiance showed me a yeah my fiance showed me a video about that and i was like this is the fucking stupidest thing i've ever heard in my life i'm like chuggy for watching this video <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Anyway. <laughs> so my girl. Let's start with our <laughs> nutshell thoughts. Wait, wait. Before boy, just one more thing. Since we are acknowledging that this movie is the uh equivalent of the 2002, I also want to point out that Veda is like 60 years old now. Oh my god, wait. If she's, so she's born, born in like in 1961. Yeah. Happy 60th birthday, Veda. Happy birthday, Beta. I hope she found better love with a guy who didn't well, she die by does, Something does happen in, in L.A. when she goes to... Oh, no. She goes to too. L.A. Oh, fuck. That's like the worst decision that a movie can make is like, no, all right. No, no, no. no it's incredible. It's she puts her hands in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You'll love it. I don't like when you take someone and they're like, let's send them to a city now. And it's just like, no, I want her to be in the small town with the main street. It it makes a lot of sense for the progression of the story where it ends Uh, up going. 
Blarg. And I have I have a follow up story later. But anyway, nutshell thoughts. I would love it if it was all about how she's a big writing success and her novels about her friend that died and she feels guilt. Because I think she's, she's like sure fourteen she's like, in the sequels. So. That's all right. Bretty Stenellis got a novel published at eighteen. You know, Who's it was that? a crazy time. Bretty Stenellis. <laughs> yeah. I don't know oh, Bret Easton Ellis. Yeah. It was hard. you were saying Brenny Snellis. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, uh, his brother. His brother. I mean, yeah. the woman who wrote The Outsiders was like 16 or something. Really? What, what was Mary Shelley? Wasn't she super young? Yeah, maybe like 19 or something. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Just calling out Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley was like a little goth queen and like lost her virginity on her mother's grave. I was going to say, wasn't there some weird like mother father stuff? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so apparently Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus was published in 1818 and she was born in 1797. She was 18. It's- oh, start started writing it. Sorry. Oh, see, uh, so it took her a couple years. So, yeah. So it was published. And of course, you know, she's, she's a female. So she had to publish it anonymously at first. Uh, but yeah, she was 20 years old. She got married at 19. Anyway, um, she, she lived a full on fucking life. How well, are we? I mean, again, I again, like we, we, we have to always remember that like these assholes only lived till they were like 40. <laughs> right. right. So, so like you can't have you know, like a second. So we're act. still well paced. You can't have like an Alan Rickman style. Like I'm 40. I think I'll make a giant Hollywood career for myself starring in Die Hard, you know, because <laughs> sure. you're dead. Yes. Yeah, you can go you've seven had, years. You've had the <laughs> consumption for 20 years and you're finally going to die now <laughs> because you're 37. Yeah. How old do you think she was when she died? Just just a sh- 16. Oh, this is a know. fun game. I'm like 25, maybe 30. No, no, no. Go, go. Yeah, go, go, go near Brian. Less, less, less Robin. Uh, 39. Robin, you got another <laughs> I don't know. Uh, All right, screw Robin. Just tell us. Yeah, screw me. Okay. She died at 53. Oh, oh okay, good. Okay. She's not she terrible. Died, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. her mother died very young. I've known plenty of people who died younger than that. <laughs> yeah, like, we know. Like Tom, I know, stop bragging. <laughs> yeah, Mary Wollstonecraft died at like, uh, I don't know, 38. Actually, she yeah, it's all right. She still had some time. I mean, kind of her. Anyway, anyway. Um, speaking All of right, people nutshell. who died super young, Thomas J gets aced by some bees. <laughs> yeah, this 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 feels like this could have been the Jaws of the seventies, right? Or when when did this come out? Right, this came, this came out, out in the nineties. Yeah, nineties. But it could have been the Jaws of the nineties, right? Where people like start like fucking just knocking down bees no, nests all then over the, the place. The thing is, and... you don't knock down the bees. Like that's the thing. Yeah, like, that's Jaws how he is got like, dead. Jaws is like, don't Whoa. go in the water and this is like don't knock down a fucking beehive um i do remember though that my sister was like my sister was terrified of bees after seeing this movie 
<laughs> Rightly so. Right, because she watched Macaulay Culkin get fucking got by some bees. <laughs> you know, this was this was right around the time, if I remember correctly, right around the time that like the killer bee thing. Oh my was, god, like, starting 100%. to hit like the, the US. African killer bee thing. Yes, they're yes. Africanized. Like it was, it was like yeah, it was like the mid nineties or so. I'm pretty sure. So you know, because yeah, I remember like thinking like, oh fuck, bees are bees when are. I was in, when I was in elementary school, there was a single book in my elementary school library that for some reason had a section on killer bees, and I rented it out of the library like every two weeks. Of course I was obsessed with killer bees, and I was like, it's okay because it gets cold enough here that they can't live here. It's like the southern states where it never gets that cold. Um, and in 1995, there was a TV movie that I still remember called Deadly Invasion, The Killer Bee Nightmare. So, yes, the 90s were awash in bee fear. Well, yeah, there was also that little girl dressed up as the bumblebee. And what? what oh, yeah. That? The Blind that? Melon song. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how did she fit into this? I mean, think of how many baby bees and Gettys must have photographed. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's also Candyman, which we're going to talk about next week. Oh, that's right. There Candyman had bees in it. Um, mm-hmm. Blind Melon, uh, the album Blind Melon was released in 92. So it is very possible that the No Rain music video was influenced by My Girl. Oh, naturally. And a, and a fear of Africanized honeybees. <laughs> I, I do have to say. Which created in a lab in South America and spread oh, northward God. and um, are here to kill us all. <laughs> um, anyway. I just find this very offensive since my middle name is actually Honey. Um, oh, so it is. Yes, it is. Robin Honeybar, you never, you never made fun of her for that. Who me? I've, I just anyone on this podcast. <laughs> no, I mean I've heard it all. Trust me. I believe Especially it. Especially since my last name is Bar. Yeah, you're a honey bar. Yeah. Yeah. Honey but, badger? No, not a honey badger. <laughs> honey barger? No. Anyway, our nutshell thoughts on My Girl, mm-hmm. now that we're well over a half an hour into this episode. <laughs> oh, we've been talking about the movie, though. We just like, didn't go on a rant. Off and on. It's true. Bill hasn't screamed at us that we're on a tangent. It's true. So we must be close enough to the movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, cur- I'm curious everyone's history with this movie and uh, what their thoughts on it are now that having seen it with the, uh, the benefit of, what, 30 fucking years of hindsight? Mm-hmm. So let's do it. Let's begin with our guest, Heather. Uh, when did you first see this movie? What's your relationship been with it? And uh, what do you think watching it now? Um, I'm, I did not see this movie in theaters. I would have been a little too young. So I must have just seen it, you know, on TV or rented it from the video store. Um, and it, it was definitely a childhood favorite. I really loved it. It's... Um, I just love this kind of movie that the, the um, coming of age story and especially one about a girl. It, it's just like so everything I stood for. And it, it was probably one of the earliest ones I saw. Um, but it, it was also that childhood thing of like, I think I managed to avoid watching the end a lot or the, the bees part because I was always really scared of it. And you could do that because you, you'd catch it on TV and like in different parts and it wasn't, the I don't know, we didn't watch movies the same way. So I, it was curious rewatching it now. And I was thinking like, have I 
I don't think I've seen this movie that much, actually. I think because I've rewatched My Girl, too, and I really love that one. But I, I've kind of been avoiding My Girl, I thought, because of the bees. But watching it, I, I did remember it all. I guess I watched it more than I thought I did. And it, it's hard trying to separate it now from just like the immense nostalgia I, I feel for it, thinking like, mm, is this really that good? I don't know. Like there, there are some elements of it now that I'm like, oh, maybe this, this is a little bit treacly, but I just have such a soft spot mm-hmm. for it and so much about it. Um, but was there another question I was supposed to answer? No, I think mm. that was good. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we, you know, I know that we've already spent a half an hour talking, but we'll we'll continue so we can. It's not a DBQ. Like you can, we can talk about it later. Yeah. It's like all right. Now okay. we will never touch on anything else that you've said, and you have ceded all your remaining time to. to, <laughs> yeah. to uh, actually, let's go to Bill Graham. <laughs> so I had never seen this. Uh, my fiance had definitely seen it, and she was very excited because, uh, as I've talked about before, uh, this is definitely a boohoo movie for me. Um, and she was like, "Ooh, I get to see you cry," and uh, she's a little sadistic like that. Uh, but uh, that being said, I had never seen this. Uh, I have I have heard of it mainly because of its relation to the music or to the song. Mm. Um, like I had always just kind of been aware of it. Um, but, you know, I didn't get a chance to see it in my early childhood. So it just never caught it. Um, and yeah, I really, really like this. Uh, I thought it was actually really charming and really funny um i thought the performances across the board were really good uh i was not prepared to see jamie lee curtis in this role uh Mm -hmm. i didn't look up hardly anything about this film before watching it because a why would i and b like that's half the fun um and so yeah i really quite enjoyed this but uh it did kind of telegraph the B thing a little bit too hard, I thought. Um, but you know, it's, I don't, I don't even know what to say. Like, how can I criticize this film in a, in a way that doesn't feel like I'm an asshole. Right. It's like, this is very much like aiming itself at, at kids and, you know, to be a younger kid movie. Um, I thought her pain and her anguish at the loss of her friend was like really, really telling and beautiful. And yeah, I really quite enjoyed this. Uh, there's a lot of nuance and layers in it that I wasn't quite expecting. Um, so yeah. All right. Robin Barr. Um, like Heather, I will say that this is a very much a childhood classic favorite for me. I can't, I don't even know the age that I first saw this. My husband asked me this earlier and I was like, I must've been five. I mean, I can't really remember life before this movie. It, it seemed to be those, one of those things that was always on like HBO or something. And the, also the kind of movie that I would never, um, turn off or like change the channel if I knew it was on. So I'd seen it many times over the years, you know, would pick it up in one area and, and like, if it was on TV, I would just watch it all. So I wasn't even sure if I had seen it all the way through as like a single film experience until 
I was like in my early twenties and I watched it about 10 years ago. And I remember um, absolutely loving it. And I was angry watching it. Cause I remember thinking like, I wish I had written this or like, if I ever write something, it better be as good as this movie. Uh, Cause it is, it is pretty much like you were saying, Heather, like this coming of age built buildings, Roman uh, is my favorite genre in general. Um, and if I ever do write my middle grade novel, it will owe a lot of thanks to this movie and the way it's structured. I mean, it's pretty much a perfect story about childhood um, because it, it has those dark elements. It's funny. Um, it's got a lot of warmth you know, it drags a little bit, but that that's fine. And I also couldn't tell if I, it was actually dragging or if I had just seen it so many times that I knew what was going to happen. Um, so, you know, I don't, I, it's hard for me to um, gauge my own criticism of it. And I did watch it with fresh eyes. I mean, there's plenty of things that, plenty of things that I loved as a kid that I rewatched as an adult. And I was like, oh, that is a stinky piece of shit. <laughs> and I, we, we just rewatched Bushwhacked, which I really loved as a kid. And then we rewatched it and that's like, an actually trash fire, terrible movie. Um, so I was like, oh, is this going to be bad? But no, it's, it's really, really excellent. Like a very rare for me, like four out of four star movie. And I think what makes it work in particular is that it's not a movie that lives in extremes. So you have, you know, I feel like any other type of story like this, if you had a dad who was somewhat neglectful or distant from his kid, that it would be taken really far but actually, Dan Aykroyd, you know, aside from him not knowing how to talk to her about some of these difficult things in his in her life, like they're still a close family. She still really loves her dad. She's not afraid of him. He's just like a little bit off, you know, like ignoring her or, um, you know, like there's this great scene where he's watching All in the Family and she's like, Dad, can I have some money to go take this writing class? And he's just like not on this they're like not on the same page at all he's like watching his movie and, and you know it's not like a he's not like abusive you know he's not like a bad dad he just uh he's cut off in a lot of ways from his grief uh, or rather due to his grief and then you have um Shelley who's played by Jamie Lee Curtis and again not this is not like an extreme person this is not like a a terrible stepmother type or somebody who has like a lot of stuff going on she she really exists to be this like loving warm person and and everything about her you know she's not too sunny um she's just like the ideal mom in some way you know like she's just so perfect in this role like every scene where you think that she would be like a little snippy with the kids or um you know she just like gives them room to be kids and i just love that about her performance. And I love that about the character. And so everything just feels really lived in when it comes to this movie. Like even um, Richard Major, who plays their uncle, like he's, he's great in this role in a very, very small role. Um, you know, again, not too many extremes. It feels if I miss movies like this, it seems like if this was made today, it would be very shiny um, and very, I don't know, like overly directed. I didn't, I felt like this was subtle, um, and I had another observation too, which is, it, it's really interesting watching this even 10 years after the last time I saw it, because now I work in human services. Um, I, I work in like my job is I'm not a therapist or anything, but I, I work in a student advisory capacity. And, you know, the first thing I'm thinking is, oh, this child has uh, an, an anxiety disorder. 
and nobody <laughs> is addressing this and she's having panic attacks and she has hypochondriasis and like all this stuff and like I mean it's the 70s it's the freewheeling you know 70s and everybody is excited that Nixon is getting reelected and whatever in this movie and this poor child is just suffering and needs serious therapy <laughs> so that's my thoughts yeah the the Nixon thing how that's like one of the final lines in the movie that was kind of like weird and dark <laughs> I know it was we'll so back good to that. <laughs> it's and of yeah. course this like kid who grows up grows up in rural Pennsylvania with a really you know sort of stayed dad and a, an mm. uncle who went to Vietnam like of, of course she's going to be excited that Nixon's reelected mm-hmm. what about you Brian I mean, yeah why wouldn't you be um <laughs> yeah so um I had never seen this movie before I like when I came <gasps> out I was only like three or four you know so I like you know, I wasn't going to watch it. I think at that point I was still firmly entrenched in Top Gun being the best movie of all time. Um, and then I just, I just, it's, um, it's a movie that constantly has been brought up, but I just never took the time to go and see. And, um, but I'm super glad that we did because this is a delightful movie mm-hmm. and there's a lot. And I like, it's just funny that like I was watching it and I kept having that, that thought that I hate to have, but like, man, they really don't make movies like this anymore. Do they? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I was, yeah. And I was like, you know, actually, you know, well, I saw Coda and I loved that. And I was like, yeah, but like Coda, like still has like the log line of like, she's a singer. She has deaf parents. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like Coda's literally like, Hey, it's a musical term, but also child of the deaf adults. So like, you know, there's like, cl- like clearly we're underlining that that's the conflict. That's what's important. And my girl's like, she might have her first period. Her her mom's dead. Dad's kind of dating. She's got a friend with glasses. You know, there's, she's got a crush on her teacher. School's coming back at some point. It's hot out, and it's just like, okay, right. We're not we're not really focused in on one thing, and it's not even like that was the summer that changed everything. Like for all we know, like you know, this is a blip on her radar. It's and that's kind of the thing, yeah. like that we talked about. Stand by me. You know, there's like there there is a a kind of not breeziness, but uh, an acknowledgement of the transient nature of like the importance of childhood memories mm-hmm. to, to like, you know, this seemed so important and these people were so close to me, but like, maybe I've never spoken to them since then, you know, and maybe like, I barely remember everything that I did then, you know, but it's still, it's still left an impact. It's still important. So like, yeah, it's, it was, it was fun to watch. It was great to watch. And it's, it's interesting. I've only ever seen, Anna Klumski in, uh, in Veep, and I'm sure some other stuff that I can't remember. Wait, she was in In the Thick of It, too, I think. Well, she took a really long time off from acting. She yes. was this child star, and then she, like, you know, went to college. I think she went to the University of Chicago and became tried to become a journalist, and I think was one for a while, and then went back to acting. So she... Um, I think that's an interesting part. Yeah, she didn't, she didn't do anything between... Between 1998 and 2005. And in 2005, she was just one short. Well, she shows up then in 30 Rock. And that was one of like her first things back. I was so excited to see her. Right. She was there as other Liz in yes. The Fighting Irish. Um, Floyd was dating her. Or Jason Sudeikis was dating her before he was dating Liz Lemon. Oh, really that's right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um. I, okay, I just read the title of the episode Fighting Irish, and I assumed it was the one where she hates St. Patrick's Day, but I was wrong about that one. Um, 
But yeah, okay, she's an in the loop. That's what I was thinking of. That's the first time I saw her. I was like, oh, that's, I know who that is. And then I read a whole bunch of stuff about how she'd been like, you know, she'd been gone. She like decided not to be an actress anymore. And then she came back. Um, she has the exact same face. She oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's in Halt and Catch Fire. Oh, I don't remember her in that, actually. It says, yeah, she was in a couple episodes of Halt and Catch Fire. I, um, maybe this is just not season four, episode six. I have no idea. But I very much want good things for her and feel like, uh, I don't know, like a familial love for her because yeah. of the girl. Always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean she's she seems she seems great. She's great in this movie. She's great in in, in the loop and and um all the stuff I've seen her in that I've recognized her in. But um and then yeah, it's always just fun to see Macaulay Culkin back when he was when he was Macaulay Culkin, you know, star of movies. And um He's so young in this. He's, I mean no, you know, he's a baby. He's so young in home alone. He's like most of the yeah, stuff I've seen him in. He's, he's younger young. than he's younger in or younger in this than in Home Alone. Well, Home noticeable. Alone was first. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Home Alone was he 90, looks 90 so and he looks so much younger. Well, rewatch Home Alone. He he is a baby. It's kind of crazy that he's I Home think, Alone. I think that they like dress him up in a way in Home Alone that makes him look older just because like, you know, he doesn't have the glasses and he's not wearing overalls and he's sassy in Home Alone and here he's really meek. So that's probably a part of it. When you're able to full on fucking straw dogs, a bunch of people who are trying to get into your house, it ages you up a little bit, you know? (laughs) Yeah. My husband, speaking of sassy, he was, we were watching this. He hadn't seen it in a really long time. He's like, Oh, I know why you like this movie. Cause this character is like a little fresh sass queen like you. (laughs) Like mm, yes, <laughs> she's like Correct. she's like a little goth child. I mean, she doesn't wear the part obviously because it was too early for children to be goths in the seventies. But I mean, she's got the whole like death cult thing going on. Oh yeah, she's gonna get way hard into the cure. You know, once <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Macaulay Culkin was in The Good Son in nineteen ninety three, a movie that I saw. And I don't know why I was allowed to. Oh, that oh, was, I was so, so scary. So scared to see that movie. I remember seeing the cover at the video store. What's, um, and <laughs> what's it was bananas, definitely on TV and it scared me. What's bananas about that movie is that I didn't realize it at the time, obviously, but that was my first ever introduction to the writing of Ian McEwan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, naturally. Um, there, there was, it might've been on the IMDb trivia page, but um, Elijah Wood, who went on to be, star in The Good Son with Macaulay Culkin. I'm not, perhaps he was The Good Son. He was considered for the role of Thomas J. At at some point. And and I don't know, there was some, then Macaulay Culkin's like overbearing parents made him take the role or something. (laughs) So that's crazy because I just scrolled down on the IMDb page for The Good Son and the trivia was Jesse Bradford was originally slated to play Henry. Macaulay Culkin's oh, father wanted wow. his star to his son to star, saying he would pull Macaulay out of Home Alone <laughs> too if he wasn't cast in this movie. Fox agreed due to Macaulay's bankability. Wait, but also Jesse Bradford, it, he did not emerge until later. Like I didn't know he was acting. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, he um. What the first thing that I think? I mean, he was in Prancer as boy number one. <laughs> <laughs> uh he was in hackers in 95 that's the first thing i really remember him 
I've never thought about Jesse Bradford before. I mean, I've he's come up. <laughs> Just obviously. ever. Was he the kid that was in that um, Snow Day Nickelodeon movie? No, no, he's the kid from Clock Bring Stopping. It On, the the um, the boyfriend. I'm thinking of the right person, right? He from what? Bring, Bring It, it on. on. He's Bring Cliff It On Pantone. and Swim Fan. Oh, this you know, it's like men who look like him just don't really register in my brain. Oh, I'm very surprised. <laughs> I thought I thought you would be like a Jesse Bradford person. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think. No, I was at that age. I was. Uh, oh, my God. What's his name? Oh, my God. What is his name? I don't know. What's what's his name? Oh, my God. What's the ballerina boy? My brain is the just not really Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot. <laughs> yeah. Like, but do you mean the actor name? who portrayed Billy Elliot? Yes. Jamie, Jamie Bell. Jamie Bell. Yeah. Jamie Bell was like mm-hmm. mm. Jamie Bell and Seth Green. Those were my guys. In seventh grade. <laughs> I like Jamie Bell. I remember being pissed off that he like disappeared from the second half of King Kong. I don't know. I don't know why I that's haven't, the thing I brought up. Yeah, I don't know. But he's man, like such mm, an important Seth character, Green. and like you know the 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 black ship hand is like you got to get yourself an education, Jimmy. And then like they get the the ape on the boat, and then like you never hear from any of them ever again. <laughs> the only King Kong I've ever cared about is the original King Kong. Likewise, um, <laughs> but because I care about that one, I I have to hate the newest one, um, or all of the new ones, I guess. I totally forgot that there was Skull Island and. Kong versus Godzilla or whatever the fuck it was called. We did an episode on Kong. I know. Watched it twice. I, I had to watch it twice. <laughs> yeah, didn't you didn't have to. You didn't I have did because I kept mixing it up with King of the Monsters. I actually was thought I was thinking about that today. I was like in stuck in traffic and I was listening to a podcast about the Hollow Earth theory and um sick. Why? Because I find. That- Conspiracy. Can you summarize that quickly or no? The hollow earth theory? Yeah. So there's a lot of different ideas as to what <laughs> the hollow earth might entail. It is possible that the the poles of the uh, earth actually are portals to other dimensions or that there are in fact like three concentric different spheres that make up what we consider to be the earth, each with its own like land masses and, and light sources. And um, that it is possible that pre- Cambrian creatures are still there and like that different human civilizations may have retreated to the inner spheres of the earth. There's possibly <laughs> Nazis down theory. there. No, flat, flat earth. earth okay. There's nothing. It's flat earth in the same kind of cultural construction. It's just a bunch of loonies. Well, I would say, I don't know. Do they're not. close, but flat earth, I feel is sometimes like a little more aggressively, like, like awful. <laughs> I guess because it it involves more conspiratorial thought because like the but hollow, hollow earth, people, earth doesn't hollow well, earth at least they're hollow like earth it's acknowledges a, that it's 3D yes, yes that's the that's <laughs> the thing I was gonna say is hollow earth at least is like look we all know Heather, the earth is a sphere this. however it has interiority wherein you know clean energy you know other things are happening it's it's very odd. But anyway, I was thinking about that and I was like, remember when there was like a throwaway line about some character's brother dying and you thought that it happened in the previous movie. So you watched the previous movie. And in fact, that character had never been spoken of. Anyway, so that's uh, yeah, (laughs) my life is crazy because of this podcast. Yet He doesn't have time to watch good movies, but he'll watch 
Kong versus whatever twice. Yeah, during that same stuck in traffic moment, I was like, you know what I should watch again? I should watch The Tomorrow War again. I really liked that movie. <laughs> I'm going to blast you into smithereens. That's fine with me. Um, <laughs> He's begging I'm, for it. I'm okay with that. <laughs> like this whole podcast is just me begging to be put out of my misery. Um, this, like Thomas uh, J being killed by bees. Um, <laughs> now that we're talking about my girl again, uh, yeah. So like, I I really enjoyed this movie, Bill. I'm not sure what you mean by they foreshadowed the bees a lot. I feel like it's not like they had Macaulay Culkin go like, I hope I never die of bees. No, but there's well, like they, he's allergic to everything. First scene with with the bees where they have the ominous music, and I like rewatching it now. I was like, is this when they die already? <laughs> so yeah. Um, but also, they. Which version did you see? The director's cut. <laughs> Where the bees take over no. the whole town and just wipe. <laughs> <laughs> but I was gonna say it was a little odd to me that like Jamie Lee Curtis or, or Shelley offered him chocolate and he was like, "Nope, mm-hmm. no way, I'm allergic to that." And he was very, you know, comfortable with his allergies and not pushing the boundaries. But then when he saw the bees, he was like, he may not have whatever, known. I'll kick them. No, Look, he may not have known that he was allergic oh, to bees. Okay. So that's the thing. I think he has never known that he was allergic to bees. He knew but he was allergic to chocolate. why wouldn't he assume? I don't know. Because he's, I, yeah. I guess I always he's knew. He's a child. So I'm, I'm looking at it like that. Like, Sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, just like bees... I, no one wants to get stung by a bee. It's not like, oh, it's cool if they sting me. I'm not allergic. It's like, it still hurts. It still sucks, mm-hmm. you know? They literally yeah. pump venom oh. into you. But um, you know what really works, though, about this movie is that you think that the big loss of her life is her mother. And mm-hmm. then obviously is a huge shadow over this movie. It, it obviously gives her her anxiety disorder. She has an obsession with death. You know, uh, she has an, an obsession thinking that there's a chicken bone that's stuck in her throat, like mm-hmm. perennially. I mean, this is a she a basically every time child. a new body comes in, she like uh, adds that psychic injury onto yes. her running yes. list. She's of- like my my prostate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I love about this movie is that it's not. And her grandmother has dementia. And you'd think, too, that that would be the big loss of her life for like the second and she lives in a funeral home and exactly surrounded by death (laughs) oh and they you know what they do at the beginning uh you may not i don't know if anybody noticed this but at some point her dad is buying new coffins and they bring in a really small one and she's like dad Mm -hmm. is that coffin the size of a child and he's like no bye it's for short people uh it's fine yeah i um, am that worked very well yeah, no, yeah, because you're right. It's like, oh, I think that the worst thing that's ever going to happen to me is that my mom died, and this mm-hmm. movie is just being like, oh, little girl, God's going to keep taking it from you. Yeah, like, I thought that's such a good lesson. It's I don't true. Know. I, just, I agree. Loss is a huge part of life. Um, yeah, and to... so many of these movies would have just left it at the mother and having some kind of closure about the mom, and right, we get but... that eventually later in the, the next movie, but. It was. This is just as perfect as it is. The mom is something that looms, but she is not the central focus. Right. This movie this has the steely, you know, dead-eyed resolve to keep twisting the knife. To keep killing. <laughs> this movie has a thirst for blood that will not be slaked. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, your mom is dead. I'm going to kill your fucking friend. And even when we end, you know, there's going to be the lingering knowledge that your grandma ain't far behind. pretty much and you know what the my girl it hits really well too because at some point uh you know she's obviously very upset at least a little you know 
to start that her father has met this other woman, Shelly, someone who she genuinely likes. I mean, it's not like she, you know, is immediately suspicious of Shelly. She really likes her at first. Again, not a movie that lives in extremes. It's very realistic. But then as soon as Shelly starts to enter their family, obviously she feels very possessive of her dad and uh, cranky about, you know, this, this interloper. Um, And then, you know, so she has that hit and then her father, uh, and then her best friend dies, and that's just awful. And then the love of her life, Mr. Bixler, uh, is also engaged. And so she learns all these things within, like, days of each other, and it's just awful. It's yeah, like, it was Stone Fox who just comes out of his house all like, hey, what's well, up? I adore him. Like, that's another big part of this movie. Like, I, um, if you ever had a crush on a teacher, I, mm-hmm. this story is just so perfect. And I, I love Griffin Dunn forever because of it. Do you guys know the line in Oh, Hello about Griffin Dunn? I know. I looked it up because I was like, I love that that exists. I, you know, Oh, Hello, right? It's yes. the, um, yeah. I don't know. They're just like yelling at each other. <laughs> That's Heather, are you Jewish? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> It's my worse. I love. Um, I I remember watching Oh Hello um, on Netflix with my my now ex wife, and she wasn't laughing at all, and I was laughing at everything. Mm. And I was just I, like, "It's you either have to know theater or be from certain parts of New York." Yeah, and I you're just like I'm sorry. Um, well, you have to rewatch it for the Griffin Dunn line because I think one of them is saying, you know. I'm one of the best actors in New York. And the other one is like, how dare you say that when Griffin Dunn, everyone knows he lives in Rhinebeck and is an hour and 15 minutes from the city. So how could you even say that? Yes, I do remember that part. (laughs) It's so good. And yeah, Griffin Dunn, um, wonderful in this movie as, as like the sensitive teacher oh he's so good in this and <laughs> not that i mean definitely not the guy i would have had the crush on when i was watching this as a kid but now of course watching it as adults i'm like mm, a man who's an elementary school teacher <laughs> I mm. know. Oh and then God. also teaches like an adult learning annex extension course for creative writing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for, for hippies who love poetry <laughs> yeah. It, yeah that's perfect and oh by the way if you love griffin dunn everybody should watch i love dick because he is pretty sexy in that movie or that show, rather. <laughs> Does nobody know this? Um, no, I'm trying to remember. He's he's the husband of the. Yes, he's okay. Catherine Hahn's husband. Yeah. And he's, yeah, uh, he's yeah, pretty good. He's also great in an episode of Frasier <laughs> called "The Friend," wherein he plays a man in a wheelchair who Frasier finds incredibly annoying, but is afraid to not be friends with because he thinks people will think it's just because he's in a wheelchair. That sounds more Seinfeld than Frasier. That's interesting. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, he is um, also has an interesting background. He's, I think, Dominic Dunn's son yes. and, and John Gregory Dunn's nephew. So he made a documentary about Joan Didion a few years ago, who I guess huh. is his aunt. Yeah. And then they also, they had that niece who died. Oh, yeah. Um, um, the Dominic Dunn. He's in the French no. Dispatch? He's in everything. He was the American werewolf in London. Good for him for being in the French Dispatch. I'm already very excited to see that movie, but that's great. He was also apparently in an episode of Succession that I do not remember. 
He's oh, in an episode of Girls. Oh, I guess never we mind. all looked at his IMDb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we all 100% ran to his IMDb page. Yeah. And I was like, what have I seen him in that I didn't even realize it was him? He was in House of Lies, a series that no one remembers. No, I remember House of Lies. Really? Don Cheadle. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Kristen Bell. Ben Schwartz. Anyway, my girl. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> It is kind of crazy that like it, it, it's I do wonder like about the fact that just even that like this movie, I know that like apparently it used to be darker somehow, which is <laughs> I don't I don't even know how that would be a possibility. But it is weird like that I that they apparently were very enthusiastic about this because like I don't like when you would tell your friends about this movie, you know, the two of you who've, who had seen it before. Like if they had never seen it, how would you have explained it to them? Like what would what would your log line pitch have been? All my friends would have seen it. Yeah. Oh, well, no. well, I did want to say, I mean, it's you know, it's very telling that Robin and I had seen it, that the two women and you guys hadn't. It's just <laughs> like yeah. one of those things like, oh, only girls will watch girl movies. And like maybe mm-hmm. that's part of why this kind of thing wouldn't be made anymore. Or I don't know. But I, I still remember it as as a hit movie. I mean, it, um, yeah, it was it a was. financial success. So like that's I think it, I think I saw that it made 120 million af- off of like oh, a 17 God. million budget or something like it, it made like that a crazy- would this would go straight to streaming. Yeah. <laughs> People would talk about it for about a weekend and then you'd never hear from it again. Right. But then it would get like six sequels, you know, like all the boys <laughs> like I've the loved. Kissing booth. 17. Kissing booth, rather. God. Yeah. The Netflix. I mean, listen, I've seen all of those Netflix rom-coms. Like I'm pretty much an expert in them at this point. And are they fun? Sure. But they're all background movies. I mean. The only one I watched was the setup. Or set it up? I don't even remember oh, the that name. That okay. It, I think it's set Step it up. Step up? It's, Actually, no. there might there might be one called the setup and set up. <laughs> it's set. It's set it up. It is Zoe Deutsch and Glenn Powell, and I watched it because I'm deeply in love with both of those people. Mm. <laughs> Deutsch is the best. So I did Powell. watch um. He's all that. I had to review it, and oh, no. uh, it wasn't that bad. Oh, I mean, well, I watched good. that one too. I was excited for it. Like the first movie is not great i mean it's it has really good performances in it it's got really good actors but i wouldn't say that this like the um the setup or the jokes were like that funny and so the second one it almost like or the remake the the gender swap reboot you know it's no funnier and no worse than the original so it kind of it works (laughs) Uh, it's worse (laughs) i think it's worse because of the because of the acting i mean i really like the the lead the tanner buchanan kid um otherwise there's no really no really standout person in the performances whereas she's all that big there's a really great cast including kieran culkin oh i Um, was just gonna say that yeah that brings us back to the culkin yeah the culkin empire Yeah, because their dad was running around threatening people. (laughs) Exactly. That's why they're emancipated. (laughs) Oh, I was just going to ask, like, Rachel Lee Cook, is she her character from She's All That? They goad us. So they only call her Mrs. Sawyer in this movie. She doesn't have a first name. So I think it's very much like a wink wink. Wait, but so was her character's last name in the other movie Sawyer? No, oh, uh, Freddie she's Prince Mrs. Jun- Sawyer. Freddie Prince Jr. 
Oh, it, it was his character's yeah, last name. Right? So it's hundred yeah. percent her. It has no, to. No, his Siler. He was oh, Zach Siler, and yeah. then yeah, I don't think they could. I I don't know. For well, what, maybe, maybe she got married to someone else. I mean, how many because people marry yeah. their person? Matthew Lillard shows up, and it was just unclear to me whether they like knew each other. Exactly. There was yes. like a lot of like innuendo in those in those scenes. Yes. So I think my theory is if it, this movie gets a sequel, um, then they're going to do like a like a pay Freddie Prince Jr. a lot of money to come back and have that romance rekindled in some way. They don't It'll have be like to the pay him that much. I mean, <laughs> That's I mean, clearly he wasn't in this one, so maybe they didn't offer enough. Um, it's it's yeah. he's very cruel to Freddie Prince Jr. No, to say um, he, I think he, he like kind of paused his acting career, much like Anna Schlumps. Chomsky or she Chomsky. um he he became Chomsky. a writer for a while too he wrote for professional wrestling I remember that yeah really mm-hmm. like WWE yes and he was he he's one of those people who did like a lot of voice acting and stuff because I know people are like all about him like people freaked the fuck out when his voice was in Rise of the Skywalker Rise of Skywalker. Oh, Fre- Fre- yeah, Fre- Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah, yeah because That's he plays about, a right? character. Yeah, Kanan. Right. See, I didn't know that, but everyone was like, oh my God, I heard Freddie Prince Jr.'s voice. It's from Rebels. And I'm like, okay. That's interesting to hear. Oh, I have a question mm-hmm. for you all. Going going back to my girl for a moment. Um, okay. you know, <laughs> um, so my husband and I were sort of debating what Shelly saw in Harry. And uh, so what that's a really good question. Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis saw in Dan Aykroyd's character. And I think, and for a while he's I didn't get it either. He's a stone cold sex machine? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, he's such a, um, I mean, he's cold at first, right? But there's a scene where, where he kind of, so she is interfering. You know, she says, I think there's something wrong with your daughter. She's like pretending she's dead all the time. And he's like, <laughs> don't tell me how to raise my daughter or whatever. And he doesn't say that. Yeah, right? that's exactly how he says it. <laughs> don't you tell don't me how to raise my daughter. Don't you tell me how to, I don't want your life. <laughs> oh Jesus! But then nothing happens. You know, there's no like rising action, and then like a couple of scenes later, he apologizes, and I was like, "He's a man who apologizes." Mm-hmm. Like, of course she's into this, and then you see later that she's in the middle of a divorce from some, this loser who's super uggo. At least in the it, like, at least he's costumed as wow. like, a real uggo. <laughs> it means the perm and the bell bottoms. He like, does look a lot like we were talking about the Simpsons before, like yes. his ex. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say <laughs> yeah, disco yeah. stew, but yeah, that's it, no. I mean, there's like a real Simpsons vibe to this guy, and then I think wow, Dan <laughs> does... it is like cute compared to this guy. Right, that guy and... like rolls in from another movie where like he yeah. and his shit heel <laughs> brother. To, like, a... Like Brooklyn accidentally stole a bunch Detroit. of coke, you know, and yes. they're just like, you know, you could tell this guy was like, if he wasn't outright uh, physically or mentally abusive, like there's some emotional abuse going on. And he just sucks like, so much. It feels like abuse. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> manipulative. He seems really manipulative. And then I think, oh, Harry, you know, he's got this like business. He's gentle. He's cut, he's raising a daughter like right. he also like like she, she 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 defends falling for him and and being part of this this weird ass yeah. thing. She says like you know I walked in and I'm not comfortable with dead people like I didn't know that's what it was for. Uh but like I saw that there was a family here and like you know I figured if that was a thing then I could be part of it. Like you know she clearly likes the fact that even though he like he is a single father 
who's not like perfect, but is not awful. Like he clearly is invested. He just yeah. doesn't know how to reach his daughter yeah. in that way. Then I think that there's a, there is a, like the way that he even talks about the people who died. Like he, he goes, he goes into like it with her. Like that's not how she looked. We're not here to make them better. We're here to make them how they were for their families who mm. want to see them again. You know, like that's, that's the business. You know, we're not, we're not trying to help her find herself. She's fucking gone. So, and I think that she respects that. I think she likes that, you know, on top of everything that you said, which is also true when we meet her, her ex, it's, uh, you know, pretty clear to see that she might have a, I don't want to say a lower bar, but like a different set of priorities. Um, yeah. you know. He's he's a good guy, and also he he gives a good punch, punches hard. <laughs> yeah, that was great too. No, oh, and he threatens really to great. fucking bury some guy in his own yard. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. not even like I'm going to dump you in the quarry. He's like I'm going to keep you around so I can look at the freshly turned earth and know that I took your life. Man after your own heart, Brian. I know. I want to well, be clear. That, oh, go ahead, go ahead. That he did like he lives in a funeral home. Like, shouldn't that have been an element of the threat? Like, I will involve <laughs> you, or I don't know. Well, that's the thing is he's going to do all implied. that, and then he's going to bury yeah. them in the yard. Okay. Yeah, he's going to have a casket and everything. Like, it will be the most beautiful yard <laughs> burial. <laughs> yeah. I also I just want to be clear. I don't think the actor is an uggo fuggo. I just think that his costume. No, I'm pretty sure the actor is ugly as hell. I like it was clearly he was wearing this like terrible wig. So I'm sorry, actor. You're not ugly. That's your costuming and your character. Don't be nice to him. The way you look in this movie is ugly. Yes, exactly. Um, they they did have one of those very quick romances where it's just like they go to bingo and then they're engaged. Yes. I was about to I say bad for for Veda in that moment. He fucking though- locked her down quick. Like, you know, it's been like maybe a month and a half to two months and she's got a ring on. And then he's like, we're trying to get married to the end of summer. And it's like, man, I guess. And she puts the ring on and they go to the carnival and you didn't expect Veda to notice. Well, she took her a long time to notice. Dude, let's let's back up just a bit. They no. work together. They work together oh, in close I proximity. Like too. totally. Like he's her boss. Like this is not, you know, post to me too. You don't date your boss at the funeral. I don't know. I no, feel like I, the I, boss that's not thing... that's not what I'm saying. I'm oh. saying that they've spent a lot more time than we see on screen. Okay, together. that's a fair that's point. That's it's not like it's their third date. Like they spend yeah. an incredible extraordinary amount of time together. I will I don't know. There's a part of me that wonders like yes, like the boss thing. Does that apply to like a two-person operation? Like There's that I third mean, guy who might dynamic. be very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad that she's here because now he can stop hitting on me. I all mean, the time. if anything, aside from him ogling her like the minute she walked in, for the most part, she's the one that's interested in him. Oh, so now like, you're victim blaming Robin? Is that no, I, but like she's. I'm not saying she's like a you know hunting him down, right? But she definitely gives him those vibes. I think, yeah, I think the fact that like she's divorced, his wife is in the ground. Um, you know, they, they don't have like the power structure that like a 50 year old millionaire and a 22 year old college graduate would have, you know, like there's there's still power. Like he's he's like, fix it when she, you know, okay, but he's telling her that as a boss, like, you know, cause she, she's got to fix it. Cause what is the reverend going to think if he opens the the (laughs) casket on his wife and she looks like a $2 whore? 
a two dollar hooker. Well, I I guess oh, okay, I wasn't okay. saying like, oh, this is so inappropriate, you know, in me too. Like may, maybe a little, but more just like that we used to look at it as so normal and romantic and not give it a second thought. Like, yeah. huh, they're they're coworkers. Like, no, of course you always fall in love with your boss and get engaged after a month. I just watched you know, the office the for the first time. And so there's a big part of me that's like, all oh, right, yeah, everyone has to fall in love at work because that's just the only place you meet people. I mean, here's the thing. I don't meet people outside of work anymore. Like it is very normal for people to be friends with the people that they work with, especially is, if you work in like a high intensive environment. Yeah. Like the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> right. I mean, I was thinking about this because I most of my friends have left the city. Um the time that I do have, like I'm, I travel and I see other people. So I don't really have friends who are not once my coworkers or currently my coworkers. Most of my friends have left the city is a great album title. I just mm. feel like we need to write that down somewhere. <laughs> I watch 30 something and it pisses me off that like all these friends live in the same city together because I love 30 something. I do too. And it's just, I could talk about that. Show Griffin Dunn might've been in an episode. What? Really? I've Probably. only watched two there, seasons. There Jesus. Someone who connected with my girl, who's IMDB I was on, who was in an episode of 30 something. Huh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we should, we could also talk about how, um, what's her face? I forget her name. The, redheaded character but she like has made all these great children's films and i loved her even before i knew she was on 30 something but anyway, oh yes 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 i know who you mean yes <laughs> we have to do like our babysitters club episode at some point you yes. guys. what you need to do is you need to movie. form a podcast where you individually watch each episode of 30 something and then talk about it <laughs> oh, god as a 30 something but my issue 30 something's watching is, 30 something are you fucking kidding me i'm sure they've somebody's already done it Oh, I like that idea. I'll look it up. And if not, you got to lock that down. Call it 30 for 30. (laughs) (laughs) But it'll be like all one word, like 30 something is. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So so 30 something is about all these, you know, 30 something year olds that live in the same town. Like what? Who is friends with all of their friends and they all live in the same town? Like I that doesn't exist anymore. And I, I mostly have my friends in my town. What? What is your town? Yeah. Dallas. Are these people <laughs> that you grew up with? No. Wait, yeah. What are wait. we talking about? I th- I'm sorry. I thought for some reason Robin meant like lifelong friends because I've never seen 30 something. So I don't know what the. Uh... I mean, they're like college friends or childhood friends and work friends. And they all just kind of live in the same town. But like, I don't have. One what counts as a town organic friend that lives anywhere, even like maybe one college friend that lives in the Boston well, area. It's that I just see. that TV thing where you have this cohesive group of people yeah. where everyone knows each other. When I agree, you have like this, um, you know, you have probably a bunch of friends from a bunch of different places and like they know of each other, but you don't really hang out as a group. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a thing. But what I mean is like, so they were going to do the 30 something reboot and then it was going to be all about the kids in the show and that didn't um, get greenlit. But I kept thinking like, if the show was actually realistic, then the millennial children would have their friends dispersed all over the United States because oh all of my close friendships are epistolary at this point. (laughs) They're in California and they're in DC and they're in. So there's only one podcast about 30 something that I can find. And it stopped in September of 2017. They ran out of episodes. It's only four seasons. I mean, they only got to episode 18. 
I got a lot of friends that live near me, so I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. Maybe it's like and none of them are from work. Yeah, I was gonna say I I have I have a friend who lives near me. I've got like another friend. I got a bunch of yeah. What am I? Why am I just gonna start naming individual friends? I have a shit ton of friends who live at least within a thirty minute drive of me. Hmm. Yeah. Robin, maybe you're chasing people away. Well, you're in Boston, right, Robin? I think Boston especially has this, like, very transient, like, people go there for school and then leave. That was a big part of it. When you get to your 30s, I think there is a bit of an exodus. And I'm in New York. and I I feel like D.C., though, like, literally, like, a third of this town loses their job every two years. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I Maybe it's also a function of... Unless you're part of the deep state like I am. Like I, I went away to college. I went to another state and I think maybe that might be part of it too. It was just like, we all came from somewhere else and we all left. I will. uh, I'll tell you what, what you got to do is you got to get a dog. You got to go to the dog park. Ew. And then you will be, you'll you have more, my nightmares. more friends than you know what to do with. I've made so many so goddamn friends I'm... in the last month and a half because of the dog park. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you gotta have like, activities like that's that's where i've met most of my friends like a lot of my friends come from crossfit and a lot of my friends come from like i used to be in a car club for mini coopers and i know a bunch of people through that like yeah i think the older you get the more you have to be in like groups to then find friends because otherwise that's another good one yeah, I have a kid too. Uh, but you know, like you're not just going to run into somebody at a bar and just be like, you're a cool fucking person. I'm going oh, to see you forever. Well, see, that's yeah. another problem. Well, see. I've got an even, okay, Robin, if you don't want to get a dog and you don't want to get a kid, what you got to do is you got to start a distillery and then <laughs> or start doing CrossFit. People do All come. <laughs> People come kind to that of like male things. Like, no, <laughs> having a, a dog is a male a thing. <laughs> Um, get a dog. <laughs> First of all, making friends via activities it is kind of a, a male way of looking at things. But most of the friends I've made are women. <laughs> that is also maybe true. I'm wrong. <laughs> all of my friends are from my jobs because I work in high intensity in a high intensity field where we're all just like screaming at each other all day about like how dumb our what do you think that's true but like okay I go home and then I do my writing so like my activity is being alone in my house well why don't you find like a writer's cafe where people go and they read excerpts of their stuff (laughs) you could take his course it's only 35 bucks yeah and you can steal it from her cookie jar (laughs) who has time anymore I mean does anybody feel like they've just run out of all time to do anything like my have, gmail account is up to 700 emails i mean i have like three oh, jobs so like Robin. clearly i've got a problem you know but like that's kind of my fault like <laughs> yeah you have like 100 jobs and you're a dad right yeah i was counting that as one of my jobs but that is also okay. true yeah so i've got that going on you know there's a lot there's a lot to do but i still I've got time I've, yeah I, I, I watched movies i'm I gonna go to movie. a, an american ultimate disc league playoff game on Friday. Hey! What the fuck is Disc League? Uh, you know what Ultimate disc Frisbee golf. is? Biscoff? No, no, not Biscoff. Ultimate Frisbee. <laughs> you know Ultimate Frisbee? It's like oh, football yes. and I'm yeah. So, familiar. so there is a there is a DC there is an American Ultimate Disc League. It's like the professional major league of Ultimate Frisbee. 
Oh, but Frisbee is a God. trademark name, so they call it Disc, you know? And, um, gotcha. Gotcha. Right, because oh you can't say God. Frisbee. It's hold like, on, you know, not on. Major so League Frisbee. Folding Baseball. So fris- Frisbee is like full on a fucking like, yeah, it's like uh, Band-Aid? Yeah. Yep. It's a Kleenex. Wow. Yeah. Holy so, shit. Um, but so anyway, uh, I guess now's a good time as any to say, Schmidt Spirits is now the official whiskey of the DC Breeze. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, that's an interesting thing that I happened. I thought you made me. gin. I make gin and whiskey, but we, oh, okay. we so like not to get too in the weeds about what happens when you become the official anything of anything, but we would have had to pay more if we wanted to be the official distillery because then mm. we would have taken other sponsorship opportunities off the table for them. You know, cuz then they couldn't get wow. like a vodka or you know, a rum, wow. you know? So they okay. were like, you can, you could choose one spirit. And we were like, I guess whiskey. We'll just do whiskey then. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. This is hardcore. Yeah. That's so a... anyway, let's get back to trying to make Robin some friends. Um, have you tried? I have plenty of friends. Have okay. I've got like hanging... a lot of friends. You tried hanging out they in the woods and here. throwing rocks at a bee's nest. <laughs> uh... Or like, does one nice girl with two other mean girls ever come by your house and like kind of make happy? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm yeah, the two I'm other like, mean girls. I, I hope I hope that's where uh, what is it? My girl too, like starts off with is is I their think it friendship does, right? It, it actually does. Like it starts maybe, off with yeah. her being being yeah. murdered by bees. <laughs> and then not another saying, one they've come back <laughs> oh, shit i lost another friend <laughs> the next time i'm gonna make sure my friend is tested i'm tired are of they, these motherfucking bees in my motherfucking town <laughs> <laughs> why are we laughing at poor thomas J? I mean this is that is fucking devastating it is like, rough yeah i um i don't understand why he kicks the bees nest i guess because he thinks that the ring might be under it and he doesn't think the bees are still going to be in it. I, I am. He definitely doesn't think they're still there. And he, it's like a power move. He's like, fuck you. It's- yeah. When when he first knocks that thing down and they don't immediately like sw- like they're full on next to the bees. And they're like, huh, this is kind of unpleasant. <laughs> and I was like, that's not how fucking bees work. Like maybe the bees were so knock- shocked by the sudden devastation of the colony <laughs> that they were like, we got to it's like, you know, us after 9-11, how it was like two days before we invaded another country. <laughs> you need a minute to like breathe we're gonna grieve and then we're gonna fuck up the middle east for 20 years and not in like and then the, leave like and not in like the empowering way where you like go fuck someone up like but really just mess it up like really make it mm-hmm. bad anyway that's mm-hmm. as topical as i get on this <laughs> podcast um i hadn't remembered that he went back there to get Veda's ring. I, I found that so tragic. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I wonder if she realizes that when, when she gets it. Or, I, I was, because like, she thinks she might have killed her mom. And I'm like, no, you were a baby. Like, you like, you like, killed no, but you 100% <laughs> killed Thomas J. <laughs> why does why does she act like he's not her best friend though? At at some point, like he acts like a piece a, of a, to him. A, a I was very confused about the beginning because it seems like he's not interested in this game that she's playing, and I was like, wait, isn't she? Isn't he like the main character or like <laughs> the main male like friend character? I was, I was like, what say, is going on in this movie? 
Yeah, he's, no. he's like a little uh, puss. That's what it is. Like, I guess. Wow, but, the characterization. Wow. But uh, he Crucifying also is treated boy. like shit <laughs> when when the girls are like mean to her, and she's like, "No, he's ugly," and just like, "Jesus, he's right fucking there," <laughs> and he just takes it. Yeah, but he. Like, I was about to say he's such a beta male that he's like, "Oh well, whatever." And yeah, and he probably gets off on it later. Wow, Robin. <laughs> this is why you don't have any friends. I mean, yeah, seriously. Because I'm mean. Okay, I just, you know that like all the Thomas J's of the world or like the guys that go on Reddit onto like these humiliation subreddits because they're just, that's what they're into. Like he's a, he's a classic, um, Oh my god, what's the word? Not a sub, but like a masochist. Like that's why he's friends with her. I've I was known- just waiting for you to say the word cuck, and I was like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of words in my uh, lexicon for this kind of guy because this is my kind of guy. I love betas. <laughs> I don't even oh, know do. how to. I don't even know how to move forward off of what we just. You like? I don't know what. Oh, wait, does that does that make you a an alpha female? Are you a soft dom or are you like <laughs> no, none? I'm none. Like I just I just like guys who are sort of, you know, that you could bend to your will. Hmm. Again, are you a soft you like paper dom? <laughs> but when I say this, I mean like it's me like laying in bed like a house cat being like, Nick, can you bring me water? <laughs> Nick, can you get my headphones for the podcast? He just like does it because because you've broken him and bent his heel. <laughs> yes. No, like a bonsai no, tree. Her. Over many years, to- you've trained him to contort <laughs> he himself. He came to her broken. That's that's the thing. <laughs> and she just never bothered to like <laughs> go into the return policy or anything. Like, no, this, this one's broken. Perfect. He's perfect. This one's, this one's broken. Can I get a refund? No, just not. like, nope. Robin, Robin just waits until like, you know, the the week after Valentine's Day and goes to like a semi-romantic <laughs> restaurant and waits for the sad boys who'd been used by the girlfriend to just get one last present to walk out <laughs> and then snatches them up. Yeah. Uh. What can I say? I'm a man. The Hoover, Hoover usually, vacuum of, we, of broken men. <laughs> we usually learn a lot about me on these episodes. I feel like we're really learning a lot about Robin on this I episode. Know. I yeah you are well last episode I think somebody in the Patreon was making fun of me because of my like my oh yeah because uh, because of your whole like things that disgust me turn me on thing yes yeah, yeah. but that's common <laughs> I my husband who I make listen to every episode uh, was agreeing with me <laughs> that I was crazy. okay so out of out of the four people you say <laughs> two of them that makes it common I don't know if that's a very I don't know if you ever took statistics but that's that's a very small uh, sample I size. believe in anecdata so thank you <laughs> Okay, here, Heather, do you think that there is some connection between phobia and fetish in the sense that like something that disgusts you, you you actually become you 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 become drawn to it like you just that you gotta have it. I think that's possible, but I wouldn't like assume that's true of everyone. I don't assume it's true of everyone, but I think it's like not just a me thing. No, I'm no, sure no. There, I'm, that's definitely a thing. Thank you. Validation. <laughs> this is why you brought Heather on. 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> so, so, so then it becomes a question of what is common. What does that even mean? Yeah, that's true too. He's a uh, musician slash actor. Oh, All right. Yeah, he was good in John Wick. <laughs> oh, he dated Laura Dern. Wait, did he? <laughs> what? <laughs> common getting around. He's getting really common. I don't know if yeah. he's getting around. I just think he he won. Like, why would you? Once you've dated Laura Dern, like you just retire. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Laura Dern and the warmth of her, can we just talk about how Jamie Lee Curtis is like? Mm gorgeous in oh, this that's movie. that's totally like, yeah, Laura Dern energy. Good point. Yeah. I actually didn't recognize her. Wow. Just because, like, that's, she just was so different than how I picture her. Well, how it's she, interesting yeah. for the hair. I, I guess yeah. we're all around the same age, but, like, this is still kind of, like, her hottie phase. Like, mm-hmm. so I, it's just cool to see her. Um, like, not that she's not a hottie now. I mean, yeah. Like, all, all the yogurt. But this was like true lies right yeah. no, see that's the crazy thing is that this is like three years before true lies and she looks like 20 this years younger th- what this is three years before that that is correct bill whoa holy shit so this movie's 30 years old she was only 32 in this movie Oh my God, I didn't want to look it up because I was thinking in my head, like, please, Jamie Lee Curtis, don't be younger than me in this movie. And she <laughs> like, very much is. She is. She is. <laughs> what year were you born? Are you 87? Yes. Okay. How old okay. is Dan Aykroyd in this movie? How old is whom? Dan Aykroyd in this movie. Oh, he's probably older. I'm um, looking that oh up. Oh my God, now. he was 27. No, <laughs> I mean, the woman who wrote this movie was 27, so it just kill me. No, he was like he was like 39. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's like acceptable. Oh, like their age difference. Yeah. That's yeah, totally acceptable. That's fine. I mean, Any, she anything after like, 25, and it's it's just kind of free reign after that. So. Yeah. I. As Bill marries his child bride, <laughs> whatever. Graduated She's, high school. It she, works. <laughs> I said after twenty five. Jesus. Uh-huh. That's why you're having a six year long engagement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus. But you know, Jamie Lee Curtis's character Shelley, she definitely comes across to me as this woman who got married real young. You know, like she probably got married right out of high school, and all she's mm-hmm. ever known is this chump. I mean, she's probably a flower child. Like, it, mm-hmm. she, this was 72, so she probably got married in, like, the early 60s and probably getting out of her parents' home. Like, she's probably high on acid. <laughs> I've come up with her. Yeah, you need to write the, the prequel to My Girl <gasps> about Jamie Lee Curtis. Shelly oh Shelley Origins, A My Girl Story. <laughs> yes! It'll be like American Girl. Yes. Oh my god, I want to watch this movie and it's set in the 50s. A flower child and who is she, only She goes to cosmetology school and Yes. <laughs> yeah. She met her husband in Charlie Manson's cult. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> she got out before the murders happened. The only thing I didn't buy about this movie is that Richard Major was supposed to be like a Vietnam vet, but he seemed a little too old <laughs> because the Vietnam would have happened like 4 years or like at the very earliest, like oh, five yeah, years before this movie. He's old enough in real life that he might have been a Vietnam vet. I think. <laughs> right. <He's- laughs> right. Well, clearly like, he yes. wasn't drafted. He was like a career military guy. 
<laughs> but I, I highly suggest that you guys watch the sequel because we definitely get a lot more Richard Major in that movie. Oh, that's good. I really want to build out the extended universe. No, Mario. I adore him based on that movie. He's so um, good. The I, I don't want to give too much away, but a lot of this movie, like just the basic premise of the sequel is that Veda um, ends up going to L.A. to sort of discover her mom's roots. And she learns that her mom, I think, was from there. And oh. it happens that her uncle now lives there. And so she stays with him. And Hold on, hold on. How old is Veda in this movie? Like 15 or something. And she goes to L.A. alone? Oh. Well, yes, she takes for the, the plane alone, but she go, goes to stay with her uncle. So yeah, she's like, like I mean, this uncle. this is something that happens when you're <laughs> back in the day too. Yeah, right? you just like sort now, of like now you can't walk five feet out of the house right. without like you know telling someone specifically where you're going. Right, and that's the basic premise of the movie, and and a lot of what happens in this movie is just her sort of going down this rabbit hole of her mother's life and. Um, God, should I spoil it, Heather? Do well, you think? Just do it. Yeah. Just I just want to add that. I mean, like the the inappropriate love story where she like kind of like dates her cousin. They're not. Best. I mean, it's so not. Like, I'm sorry. No, I know. Is it like a how I live now type situation? No, it's like a it's like Richard Major is dating this woman and she has a son. And then. Yeah, uh, but it, oh, it's, okay. it's not actually inappropriate, but it's kind of like clueless or something. Yes. Yeah. It's that slight gotcha. edge of it. But like yeah. I love that kid. That kid is oh also my God. In the baby and he was in the babysitter's club. club. Yes. <laughs> Wait, so who do, who gets killed by bees in that movie? Nobody. <laughs> nope. It has my favorite ever use of Benny and the Jets. Like that. Oh yeah, it's so oh good. The movie's really good. I highly recommend it. Is, is it as good as My Girl? Probably not, but it's still like a worthwhile film. So um, a couple of so it, part of this movie, and I will spoil this. Do it is that she discovers her mother was married before she married Dan Aykroyd's character. <gasps> wow! Um, Whoa. And yes, yes. So Dan Aykroyd is just collecting women <laughs> with <laughs> <Yes>. other husbands <laughs> in the past. He he loves baggage, like some men I know, Brian. I'm uh, I don't know why you'd say my name after that. That seems very pointed. Is the, the first husband who Veda goes to see, is he one of the actors from 30 something? Or am Wait a second. Did I you say remember. the first husband? How many husbands like, did her mom no, have? No, the, the Veda's mom's first husband. Right. I don't remember. Oh, but one of the actors from 30 something is for sure Christy's dad in Babysitter's Club, just to bring it back to that. <laughs> Christie's. T- oh yes, it, it, in fact, it is. Um, it's the the oh, god that fucking guy that I hate, the like teacher, the the, the professor douche. That is definitely her dad. I will um, say it is. It is incredible that like, like, like think about like um, <laughs> I watched uh I watched uh, Sleepless in Seattle not long ago. Um, mm-hmm. I actually now that I think about it, I like the day I got divorced, like the day I signed the papers and my lawyer was like, congratulations, you are now no longer legally bound to your ex. I was like, oh, I'm cool. picturing the Nicole Kidman picture. guys know this. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Where she's just like. Like giddy. walking down the street celebrating. So it was kind <laughs> of annoying because we got like we finalized everything during the pandemic. Like and so, you know, the, the courthouse scene of my divorce was me in my study on a conference call with my lawyer. So and like it was a Zoom divorce? It was a Zoom divorce, but there was not even any video. Oh. <laughs> I know, it was really sad. You can't show was that it, was to Was the connection later. shed? The connection was fine. 
And then you watch Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah, I watched Sleepless in Seattle that night. And I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I was like just scrolling through Netflix and it was on there. And I was like, no. Had you no. ever seen it before? Yeah, I'd seen it. Oh, of course I had. Like that's, you see Sleepless I only saw Seattle. it like within the last two years. I've never oh. seen it. Wow, fucking um, damn. Incredible. <laughs> that's a great movie. I like, I, I feel like it was constantly on at my house. Um, mm. I haven't watched a lot of romantic comedies like yeah uh, that's, just, that's just not that's just not something that like i grew up and yeah. and people like had me watch like i just <laughs> skipped a lot of that they shit didn't stick the uh toothpicks in your eyes and strap <laughs> yeah no there was there was no uh clockwork orange going on there <laughs> Um, anyway, I but yeah, telling- so like in that movie, like uh, there's a like 10 year old boy who flies across the entire goddamn country, like, you know, and everyone's totally cool with it. Yeah, yeah you know, that we- movie definitely has like the precocious child element. It's got of, the precocious child has. and then his yeah. even more precocious friend. Oh, oh yeah, yes. it's Gabby, Gabby Hoffman. Yes, I love Gabby Hoffman. <laughs> I love her even more now, frankly. I just adore her. Um, why was I telling you the story? Oh, OK. So Veda finds out that her um, mother was married to this other person. She's on this like, di- you know, route of discovery, like finding what what a, what is up with her mother? Who is her mother? Which you know the movie like which my girl could have easily done, and it wasn't. And that's great about my girl is that it right. you know it leaves that to uh, a little a little bit of an older child to figure out. So when I was living in LA, um, I. I lived there for a couple of years after college and I had known. So I, I have maybe talked about this a little bit, but my, my mother had a pretty significant mental health disability. Um, and it didn't, I mean, I, I loved her, but I didn't know her very well. I didn't know a lot about her life um, because she was so impaired for so much of my growing up that she, I, and you just never knew who you like. You just, she she was a certain way, but you couldn't really get past that because she was so impaired by her her illness. Um, so I remember when I was in L.A., I found out that my mom's first husband lived there and I looked him up and it turns out he was this like doctor, this like um, what is it called? Like a like a oh, my God, it's plastic surgeon. And he was mm. he was in L.A. and he didn't actually live that far from me. And I definitely had this moment of like, should I have my Veda Sultanfus like go <laughs> find this guy thing? Yeah. And I and I wish in some ways I wish I had done it. But then just I know that my my father who had passed on at that point, um, he probably would have been very upset if I had done that. Like you don't live for the dead. But, you know, this was a man who was abusive to my mom and um you know, and if he hadn't left my mother, then my parents would never have gotten together. And, you know, she had an eating disorder because of him. I mean, she had like, this was like a, a villainous figure, I suppose, or like an apocryphal villain of my childhood. But I still kind of was hoping to get that closure that Veda gets. And I don't know what that conversation would have entailed. I don't even know if he would have known who I was, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's still a question mark. And I think this guy is still alive. I mean, he must be in his eighties at this point. Um, But I don't know, just that movie sticks with me. Yeah. Or like vice versa. Even (laughs) if he has like a few photos you've never seen, like it, it might, I don't know. I can definitely see wondering about those because it's, 
just like it's mysterious to the past. Yes. I also yeah. just like, want to say that um, the, the, you album, don't live for the that, dead is another album title. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, no, no, I actually, I don't. It, I'm fucking but... Catholic as shit. Of course, I live for the dead. They're like the yeah. only thing that I live for. Have you listened to me talk on this podcast before? Yeah, I know. The dead basically know. control every steering wheel in my brain. <laughs> uh, it's, it, but it, it is still very much a question mark. I think because I've only ever gotten yeah, stories of my I mother. Wonder... Yeah. Wonder if he has kids who are. Nice I think he does. All that you could reach out to. I yeah, but you know, then it's like, oh, I don't know if my um if my mother's brother found out I did that, like it would be I would have hell to pay. He doesn't want me to get in touch with our actual family, let alone my mother's ex husband. Yeah, but like you're a fucking grown adult, like you can kind of do what you want to do now. And yeah, fuck those people. Yeah, fuck the people that fa- love me. Only, you don't have any yeah, friends. You don't need any family either. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, alienate um, everyone. When you're a, a writer, there like is just like reason to do things I know. like this. everything like, is copy. Oh yeah, no! It could yeah, be a good I know. story. Like so. Oh, uh, I know. This is how I know you work for yeah. Slate. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, a real that, slate pitch right there. It, it is. I thought about Fuck it. Fuck it up. I, so I do that all the time. I feel so bad about it too, because like someone will say one thing to me, and I'm like, "That's it, Brian. That's all they needed to say. You don't have to ask any questions. Just empathetically hear them and nod and move on." And then I'm like, "Wow, it sounds like there's a history of that." And then it's just like, "All right, let's get three hours of good old fashioned data mining on this person's life, mm-hmm. so that I can again like churn it out into something." It's like, um, great that we're going to be able to talk about this like six months after it left like the popular culture. But Cat Person, the story that was in the New Yorker, and then there's going to well, be it, a movie, well, right? It, but then it hasn't what? left the popular culture because yeah, there was a Slate piece pretty recently. Yes, yeah. that's I was actually yeah. going to say yeah. there was a piece on Slate, but I think that's that's what I was referring to. Like it was a woman who was like. Um, so that was 100% like mostly my story that this author like took bastardized that guy is dead and I feel bad because like now everyone thinks of him as this way but he was actually like pretty okay mm-hmm. and I was just like I remember I think I even tweeted about it I was like look we're all writers here like we know that we steal from like we're basically I think I called ourselves like live life thieves like we steal yeah, from everyone thieves. Like, you know, we're soul thieves, but like what you're supposed to do is mix it up so much (laughs) that you can't tell. Like, it's like, oh, well, that's weird. This character has my birthday, but like, that's it, you know, or, oh, this person's mother died too, but that's it. Like, you're not supposed to take so much whole cloth that a person is able to say, oh, this is legitimately my life. You monster. To to give... Just to like be the sleep person and d- defend that piece a little, or n- not that you were disparaging. Oh no, I love like, that piece. That piece yeah. was incredible. Well, like it was, I, it was, it was. I, I, I would think, recommend anyone who hasn't read it to go find it. <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic piece. I would just say she didn't like totally criticize Kristen Rupinian or con- condemn her. Like no, she was very thoughtful about yeah. it. She wasn't like you stole my life. No, but, but I definitely yeah. had that reaction. And I <laughs> yeah. think a lot of people on Twitter did. Cause it was like, yeah, I love totally. that. I love that this yes. person has like the maturity and the peace to like, say like, this is just what happened. I didn't even want to talk about it, but like, this is the thing. And like, it's interesting. And, but I don't bear any ill will. And then everyone on Twitter is like, Oh, but we will. 
Yeah. yeah, we totally love Twitter for you. I also just love, like, as a writer, like, she reclaimed that story because it's super interesting. If some lady writes a short story about you, there you go. <laughs> That's an <Yeah>. essay. <laughs> like, and the funny part is, I remember my friend sent it to me, and I just like as I was reading it, I was like, "This this author is just they think everything's about them." Like I hadn't read through it; I was just oh, I reading know. it, that, like, "Oh, this was, person's psycho!" Yeah. Like this, like of course, you know this this is coincidental. And then I get to the end, I'm like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> right? That's the yeah, thing. It's like it's like when your crazy paranoia turns out to be right. You know? Yeah. It's like, uh oh, oh shit, oh yeah. no. <laughs> To connect this back to movies, there was an interesting piece in Vulture maybe last week or the week before, like kind of talking about both the cat person thing and then the movie Stillwater. I don't know if you guys discussed yes. that. that no. And, uh, Amanda Knox. And- I, oh, I yeah. read Amanda yeah. Knox's whole, whole uh, yeah. not, not takedown, but just like examination of like, uh, let's look at everything that, you know, Todd McCarthy has said and everything <laughs> that Matt Damon said. And let's like, I'm the person that they keep bringing up and they never spoke to me mm-hmm. yeah it, it's just interesting because like i feel for her like she had this horrible thing happen to her but like that's fiction baby <laughs> like, but that's the, I, yeah. I feel like yeah. i understand where she's coming from because they keep yeah. leveraging her name and yeah. the notoriety of that case i think that's the difference to me is that there's no there's no innuendo around it like you <laughs> You couldn't even point to like two cases that this kind of was like an amalgam of. It's very much her. Right. Like you could. And it's again, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, maybe like you could have changed the country. Like maybe that could change the country. Oh, did they? Okay. It's like France. It's a lot. Like it's not. I mean, but then that would still bring you back. Inspired by her story, but Mm. they've changed quite a bit. And I, I don't know. Like I, Maybe they shouldn't mention her, but it's also obviously based on her. And it's such an interesting thing that happened to her that, like, I don't know. I think that, yeah, I yeah. think to me the the thing is, like, if you're going to keep bringing up someone's name, like, maybe bring them into it. Like, not yeah, even, like, have her be a story a consultant, point. but just be like, hey, like, this is about you. Like, or, you know. Yeah. Maybe even like not maybe not like officially, but like maybe even have her as a story consultant. Like you know, you, you're writing this character and this story. Like you know, make it clear you're going to change it. It just it, it is the fact that like she keeps getting name dropped and that like they're not even saying like clearly that was an inspiration, but we're trying to move beyond that. But they're like, yep, let's keep saying it. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's a good point. They could have gone about it in a better way. Maybe. Yeah. I also, I mean, there was a, a free form series that was also a clearly an Amanda Knox inspired concept. Like does anybody remember this? I forget what it's called, but it was very much about a girl who is accused of murder and she's like on study abroad and it's a whole thing and she's in Europe and I can't remember what it's called, but I know I Anthony it's called guilt. <laughs> yeah, it was something like that. No, it's literally I, called guilt. Oh. <laughs> I'm looking at a Hollywood reporter, reporter. Oh my god, a Hollywood reporter article, and it says Amanda Knox themed drama guilt canceled at Freeform. Yeah, it was pretty shitty, but I don't there remember were complaining several, about that. Um, novels too that took inspiration from. Oh really? I story. mean, it's a crazy, yeah. scandalous yeah. story. Like it's it's big, it's huge. I mean, I'm reading. I'm reading a nonfiction book. It's like a psychological study of the moral panics of the 1980s. Mm, that sounds like you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, why wouldn't it be? Um, 
And it, it, like, you know, that's the thing, like, with the West Memphis 3 and everything, that was in the 90s, but, like, that was clearly the tale of it happening again. Like, you know, there's so many things where, like, those stories are just so compelling and so insane that they become a thing that gets folded into everything else. So, like, you know, it's like, yeah, unfortunately, you happen to be a massive cultural event, but, like, it does, it does feel a little weird that they keep bringing up her name when it's like, you could just say, like, you know, we all know this is, there's a story out there, blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't have to keep... And the movie is not even about her. That's like the stupidest part is that it's about the it's dad. About Stillwater. Oh my gosh. Yes, I know. <laughs> like if you watch the trailer of it, it just seems like they took Amanda Knox and then just like made Taken about it. Yeah, it, that's exactly what it looks like. But you know, that does. Okay. That reminds me of a point I did have about my girl, which is, I know. Which is the movie is we were ostensibly here to talk about. But it, but it, truly like, so as I was watching it, Thomas J dies and you're like, does he die so that she could learn a lesson? And I don't actually think that's true. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a little bit more than that, but I kept, but I was like, oh, it's like a device that's like his death is a device that's used to help her grow much in the same way that me Earl and the dying girl, which is one of my most hated movies of the last few years. It's got a terrible title. <laughs> yes, but that's really about a guy getting into college because some girl died and like gave him strength or some bullshit. And <laughs> I do stole think they're her different. Essence when she passed, yeah, that's he really held his what mouth over her mouth and took her soul. He's like, I I'm writing this essay because my friend died, and like that's like, bitch, it's not about you, right? Like, and if I only my of... friend had killed himself like two years earlier, I could have gotten into a better college. Uh, I mean, <laughs> truly, that's what that movie is. And I was like, well, is this really like, is Thomas John just an accessory for Veda's growth? And I, and there's some element of it, but I don't think it's just like as shallow as that. Uh, well, I think that the problem is that like death <laughs> as a concept is very difficult to dramatize in a way that doesn't feel like you're turning some like a tragedy into something because like, the person who dies is gone forever and they're not coming back. And it's the people who are left behind who can use it as a way to continue living and change themselves. So in that way, anyone ever dying at all seems as though their death becomes an accessory to those who are still around purely just because those people are still around. Yeah, no, I, I agree with, with you. You know, but doesn't it make you want a gender swapped remake of my? <laughs> oh, you know, there's nothing that would make me happier than an 11 year old girl getting stung to death by bees. Um, or how about Thomas J is like the protagonist in the new movie, and it's called <laughs> and it's boy? all about like how he's abused by his best friend and he's in love with her and he's a little wimp and then he. So dies. it's about a, a cucked incel getting murdered by bees. <laughs> is that what we're... well? I, I did think that like rewatching it, I, I was also trying to reevaluate like, you know, it is this movie using this death in a, a cheap way. And I do think like maybe we should have gotten to know Thomas J a little more mm -hmm. or I, like, I mean, I, like they were best friends, but it does. I mean, it's so her story that yeah. um, it, they're, they're, it feels like maybe we could have gotten, I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. He could of, have been more developed. Yeah. I mean, like, now that I think about it, like, stand by me. Like, there's a kid who starts that movie dead. 
He's one hundred percent. Yeah, he's one hundred percent an accessory in that movie. So at least Thomas J got some lines. I mean, like, do we? But are we upset at Thomas J's death because we're upset for Veda or because a kid died? And I think I it's think really he more... fucking deserved it. I'm not upset for anyone. <laughs> oh my god! But so seriously, like, I feel like I should be sad that a poor child died. I'm upset that he died. He was was trying to find the the mood ring of the girl that he clearly pined after. Yeah, it's sad. I'm not disagreeing with you. And he gets fucking murked by some bees. I feel like I'm sadder for Veda because, you know, this was her only friend. No, because then she gets a shiny new friend. Yeah, she does get a new friend. Yep. Yeah, she does. A female. But Judy was like sniffing around way before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a bisexual love story. Oh, so this is like okay. So Judy eliminated her romantic rival. She put the bees there. (laughs) Judy, I didn't know your dad was a beekeeper. (laughs) Oh my god. I don't know. I I understand what you're saying. I think that I think that if the movie had had not played out the the truth of his death in the way that it does, then it might have felt that way. But I think that like lingering in his death for another 20 minutes, it's not just an accessory. Like it, it becomes another thing like, you know, in that case, like is everyone not an accessory to her? Like is her teacher's um, engagement not an accessory? Is her father's engagement not an accessory? This fucking town, there is something in the water. Everyone's yeah. getting laid. Um, it's a 72 man flesh all a mesh flesh all a mesh yeah the uh, the Mansons have you know been thrown in jail and these people are you know the free love movement's finally made its way to Pennsylvania um, but no I think that I think that everything is clearly through her eyes but I think that like the fact that it doesn't end with like a voiceover that's like and thanks to Thomas J I realized that I didn't kill my mom the yeah. end like like her poem is she has finally like gotten to understand like her own feelings and like to empathize with other people in a way that she wouldn't have without him and that's like again it sounds a little mercenary it sounds a little utilitarian but at the same time like that's what happens is that when people die you either learn from it or you die yourself either oh yeah le- i mean i was definitely or, a little know. shitty brat before my parents died and I'm not saying I'm not a shitty brat now, but it definitely humbled me. Yeah. No, each, each death in my life has taught me something. I've learned so much. Um, and it's, you know, I'm like, I, I started writing a novel that tried to incorporate a lot of these things together. And it, I struggle with that same thing. Cause I'm like, how do I make this not feel like I'm using this person, this character's death yeah. It's just like an operating principle to get this other character who's alive and who's the protagonist through everything. And of course, the one answer I could come up with was, well, you make it very sad. You make it clear that they never get over it. And you just keep going until eventually like they die, too. And then you realize that no one would ever want to read that and you stop writing. <laughs> um, I I read a piece about um, this movie like uh, I'd have to look up where it was actually I should do that but that was basically saying you know everyone remembers this as the movie with the little boy and the bees but it's more than that mm-hmm. um and and yeah I just think I think that's an interesting point to make I think we would all agree that it is more than that um but like that's the thing people remember about it and I I also was surprised 
is that I read that piece because there hasn't been a whole lot written about this movie, or I just thought it might be one of those um, nostalgia objects, the way a lot of like movies, millennials are. And I'm just surprised by the lack of like, I mean, maybe this is coming or, or maybe one of us is going to pitch this, but like, where's the oral history? Like, and all of that stuff that we've done for like every other movie that our generation loved as kids. I hope it happens. I I mean, I don't want to write it, but yeah, I hope it happens. I also kind of want this movie to like sort of stay where it is right now because Mm -hmm. eventually I will write my middle grade novel that will be like heavily inspired by this movie. You keep saying middle grade. Do you mean it's going to be only so-so from a quality standpoint? Or do you mean that it's going to take place during middle school? Oh it's like an age group in in books it's like books from um pre fourth through sixth graders or something like that right oh yeah it's it's uh it's a genre of books for children that is say, say it again like reader. harry potter is middle grade Mid- yes it's it's young middle adult grade. kind of I've but never, it's not never it's never, not never heard of middle grade it's before. for um I've, yeah. I worked in a library for like four years. I've never heard middle grade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, middle grade fiction refers to books written for readers between the ages of eight and 12. Oh, I just wanted to add the piece I was referring to was at a site that I'm not familiar with called Hollywood Suite and was written by Emily Gagney. Oh, thank you. wants to look it up. I am. Um, I never read. I like I like read Jurassic Park in the second grade. Like I'm I'm one of those Fuck assholes. Off, like man. I never. That... I never, That's I know, scary. I call myself an asshole. You don't have to curse at me. You know, I'm perfectly good to do myself. I read myself. that book at 14 and I thought that was too much for me at that age. No, I, um, I, uh, I, I really jumped ahead. I like, I didn't do, like, when everyone was reading Harry Potter, I was like midway through War and Peace and I was like, I'll get <laughs> oh, to it. Okay, now double eat shit. Yes, I know. I, I like leapt over, like, I would like to hold my teachers. It's like, I don't want to read the book you assigned. I want to read this crazy ass thing that I found. And, um, they didn't like me. It did not ingratiate me to them. Um, it's like when I wanted to read Lolita at 14. Yeah, which I did. I, I did that, too. I actually no, I think mine was 15. I do remember that I read Catcher in the Rye and like a teacher stopped me in the hall and was like, Are you, oh, you know, you're reading that like next year. Like that's on the syllabus for next year. I was like, well, I will be ahead, I guess, because I'm not <laughs> stopping now because Holden Caulfield gets me <laughs> sick. Why would anybody admit they're Holden Caulfield? Oh, when you're, I when loved you're like Catherine 13? the Rye at the time. Oh, yeah, when, I don't know if I read it when I was 13 or 14, but I loved it then. Yeah, Robin, oh, the world God. is full of fucking phonies, and Fuck I want to save the children He's from falling douche. off a cliff. This no, is you doing You, you should have douche? the same um, oh. empathy for him you have for Veda. He's like has post-traumatic stress disorder from being a used and his brother dying yeah i mean he does but he's so annoying and he's like oh philip k dick okay you know what's crazy is that i feel that way about the fucking asshole who's the protagonist of the perks of being a wallflower oh that kid is a douche oh i love no i love that novel so much oh you feel infinite oh shut up 
I love the movie adaptation. It, it's so perfect. I have to see that one. So good. I remember reading it, per- Perks of Being a Wallflower, in like 10th grade. and just... Doesn't it come out that like his aunt abused him? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And actually, maybe I was confusing that with Catcher in the Rye because I think I don't think he was like abused. I think there's like, a molestation that happens in that book. Like his teacher like fondles him, him yeah. in his sleep. But I don't think it's like an ongoing thing. Whereas, yeah, it's like an acute molestation. Yes. Yeah. In, in Perks of Being a Wallflower, it, it, it is, I think. Oh, phonies. You love book. phonies. I, I don't love, love phonies. phonies. I hate phonies. Oh, that's why I shot school. John Lennon. <laughs> God. Uh, anyway, now that I've made a joke about shooting John Lennon. Um, timely. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Did he die again or something? No, it's always just it's he's always up for parole, like perennially. Oh, I was like, no, he's dead. You're talking about Henry David Chapman. Yeah. Jared Leto is what I'm talking about. Yes. That's who I was thinking of too. <laughs> Jared Leto might get out of actor's jail. The guy um, Jared Leto got gout to play, or maybe one of the times. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just wants so hard to be Christian, Christian Bale, Bale. And it's like, no, honey. Yeah. He's just not Christian Bale. No. No one is Christian Bale, except for Christian Bale. And even Although, sometimes he's not. He does Christian have an Bale. Oscar. Ugh. Jared Leto has an Oscar. Don't, don't. Come on. Don't no. be like that. I mean, I'm just a messenger. <laughs> you don't have to be, though. No one made you tell me that. No one made you remind <laughs> us of those things. I should have been a gossip columnist. 100%. Um, do we have any final thoughts on my girl or, I guess at this point, my girl, too? Um, my girl. <laughs> my girl. You know, my girl. I kind of wanted to point out that it's messed up that in the song, My Girl, there's that line, I've got so much honey, the bees envy me. <gasps> we shouldn't yeah. be talking about these. <laughs> I am. Um, there was a point when I was like, you know, do I need to go through this song like line by line? Like, is this one of those things where like it will sync up like Dark Side of the Moon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Brian. Oh, darling. Oh, <laughs> oh Faith oh. Begora. Why did you do an Irish accent to say that? I don't know. <laughs> all right. Interesting. <laughs> um,. But yeah, no, I was like, all right, yeah, all right. So, but like, oh no, because he says the month of May and I don't think this movie takes place at any point during May. So it immediately falls apart. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, in coming up with a, a song to open this, I 100% latched onto the bees thing because, yeah, it's in my mind, this is that movie where Macaulay Culkin gets killed by bees. Um, which is weird because he knows to run away and go to the water previously. The first time, but when, yeah. But I guess when the bees are actually on you you know what's the other uh, the saying everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face yeah and yes. also remember that veda was like hurry let's go like run and oh really just... i thought he was screaming let's go and she was like wait what oh maybe i don't know I they both have very high-pitched prepubescent voices I mean, he got overwhelmed. They started stinging him and he was wiping and he's like trying to flick them away and okay so i had the captions on and and it says that he said, God, no, which for no. some reason made the scene even more brutal. No. I'm just like, oh, no, like oh that's like, you don't say God, no, unless you know it's over, you know, yeah. like unless you're fully aware that it's like the time has come. Wait a minute. Did Cora watch this? No, she did not. <gasps> this would have been the perfect movie for you her. You keep saying that. but like, I, don't I don't know about it at five. Oh, like. She loves Minari. Oh, really? 
No one like, fucking dies in Minari. For sure. In a the grandma years, gets a devastating stroke. Spoiler like, alert. I, I'm sure I loved this movie when I was like seven and eight, but five feels really. I don't know. I don't think. I'm pretty Cora's, sure I was five when I saw. It. I don't think Cora's watched a movie where a child dies. You know, like I feel like that's like well, she knows eight like too early. <laughs> like the dog died. She knows that her grandmother and her or her great grandmother and her great great aunt died. You know, like there's like she's aware of the concept of death and it haunts our entire lives. But like, you know, I feel like I should not let her know that like you could die before before you know you've hit puberty. Mm. I tell you, I like, one, bad for his parents. once again, the uh, the cicadas were a real like you know dash through like the the whole like you know law of nature thing. Mm. It's just like, oh, I love these cicadas, and then there's just like a holocaust of them, you know, either like <laughs> emerging, malformed, or getting run over, or getting eaten in front of her eyes by birds. And it's just like, Cora, this is life. <laughs> like this is just, yeah. <laughs> You're going to get a little beta. She's going to be a little goth child. I'm fine with that. I, you're probably raising her to be that. That's not. No, it's not my intent to make her a goth child. I can't afford that much makeup. <laughs> like. You're going to make her an e-girl instead. I can't afford that much makeup, Robin. <laughs> E-girls use even more makeup. Because then they they, they have, need more colors, right? There's oh my god! Like at least with the goth, like one black matte palette would be fine. But an e girl, she's gonna have like six different palettes. She's gonna oh have different I'm just colors. Picturing you in like about nine years, just going to Sephora with her and just like, <laughs> helping her pick out her goth palette. Again, the goth palette would be easy because that's one color. But like, if she becomes an e girl, it's just like, oh my god, what are you gonna get for like your nose blush and your cheek blush and then your freckles? You were doing really well with the terms. Well, what do you call it when they put no, 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 no? Because I am, I am telling you that e girls make their noses red, (laughs) like Rudolph. Yes, they one hundred percent fucking do. Yes, they. I, I'm not saying this to like be funny. Like you know the boy from the Puffs commercial whose nose yeah. is really red because his uh, his puffs aren't puffed enough. Like Maybe his... you're right. I, like I've seen contouring videos on TikTok and they do like dust their noses some, but I thought it was usually like a highlight. Not no, there, okay. Huh. There there are people who just do a little bit of highlighting and contouring. You know, there's like the joke about like you know you can make it so that you don't have any nostrils. You know, right. <laughs> you should look, look like a pterodactyl. But um, there are girls who legitimately will blush their nose so that their cheeks are bright red and the tip of their nose is bright red. And then they will draw on freckles and then they will have a little black heart. And sometimes the freckles are hearts, too. Well, I would say that, and that is a lot there's of makeup. not, to my knowledge, any um, beauty manufacturer that makes a blush specific for noses, you would just use cheek blush. Right, but then Thank that you. means she's going through the cheek blush, you know, 25% faster because she's having to apply it to her nose as well. <laughs> Girl dad hashtag. <laughs> I look forward to telling everyone about Cora's attempt to become a, a, a TikTok sensation. Oh, TikTok's going to be over, baby. Well, that's the thing. That's the other funny thing is like whenever <laughs> someone says like, so have you thought about like what you're going to do like when she wants to be on social media? I'm like, by the time she's old enough for that to be a concern, they're just going to be an implant in your brain. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> like, think they about it. They promised me Google Glass and I ain't got shit. 
Right. Like, think about what we had 10 years ago, right? And then just shift it. Like, you know, so what's the change going to be between now and when she's like 15? It's going to be a fucking nightmare. I have no idea. Yeah. The sky's going to be on fire. It's going to be like the road, really. Sky's on fire now. Have you seen Lake Tahoe? Right. But the sky's going to be a fire DC. Like, there's going to be more sky fires. Well, on that happy note, I hope everybody enjoys My Girl when they watch it. Yeah, I don't. I don't got to mm-hmm. teach her how to blush her nose. I got to teach her how to fire a rifle. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> how to cannibalize? <laughs> no, we will not be cannibals. I already told you that I read the road when she and I first started taking walks together, yep. and it was during the cicada apocalypse. And so, like, she and I would have long, stilted conversations about the nature of death and nature. And I was like, "Yo, great! I turned my life into the road on accident. This is fantastic." <laughs> A lot of them are dying. Yes, they are. But we're helping the ones we can. Yes, we are. Because we're good. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Just like <laughs> legitimate dialogue from my life earlier this summer. But if they had been bees, I would have told her to fucking torch every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> because the bees killed Thomas J. Oh my god. Wait, I. Th- it seems at various points that you've been on the bees side, <laughs> and now you're. <laughs> You're not. Anymore. Not if they're coming after my daughter. Though she actually, okay. she she loves bees. She's a huge fan <laughs> of bees. She has sat in a field of she has sat in a field of flowers and observed the bees closely. Speaking of TikTok, she's going to be like that bee lady on TikTok. I, I don't know TikTok. I think that lady was like found to be problematic in some way. Oh, so, she like got milkshake ducked. They, they've yeah. been trying to milkshake duck her, but I think the problem is that no one knows about bees like <laughs> no i think there were some other beekeepers who i haven't checked in on this saga in a while who were like she's not wearing the proper equipment and well yeah that that was a huge thing there was like a beekeeper who was like her hair is too long she's wearing wrong colors but then honestly i not not to keep plugging your site but i'm pretty sure slate ran an interview <laughs> with two beekeepers who were like it's fine like you oh, know really yeah <laughs> I swear to because I read it and I was like, okay, let's see. And they're like, yeah, I don't really see much of a problem. Like, you know, I don't think I'd go without like equipment. But like she says that she checks it first and it's a minute and a half long video on TikTok. And so probably she approaches in it, but then goes and takes it off. You know, whatever. Who cares? She's not getting stung. Like So, yeah, there was that was the thing I was saying is like people keep trying to milkshake Ducker, but it's difficult because like. Clearly, beekeeping is a little bit of an art, not science kind of thing. Like most agriculture. Like, I don't know. Right. But maybe she was a Trump supporter. Also. Okay, that's the one that's that been substantiated. I don't yeah. know about that one. I think people are like, oh, she's like a pretty blonde from Texas. She's probably a Trump supporter. But oh, like, okay. also maybe, yeah. you know, but she's <laughs> also like, it's a farm girl. So like agriculturally, you know, not to not to generalize, but like. Possibly, but I don't think that anyone's ever caught her wearing a MAGA hat or anything. Okay, interesting. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, because there definitely was a point where it's like, oh, we're canceling the B girl, but then like no one, no one took it. Like I just don't think they ever found anything that was definitive enough and bad enough to be like, yeah, we don't like her. Because at the end of the day, it's really fucking cool how she scoops bees with her bare hand and carries a queen in her pocket. Yeah. That was the other funny thing is that they said, like, she says she carries a queen in her pocket. Like, do you do that? And the, the, the two beekeepers are like, oh, shit. Yeah, I've got like four queens on me right now. That that I do remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carry queens around me like a goddamn bandolero. 
<laughs> anyway. Um, All right, Hamilton. <laughs> Bill's mm-hmm. finally busted out the Hamilton. Yeah. Um, Bill's okay. like, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, Hamilton we, the, the signal to leave? Or? Yeah, it's the signal that the tangent has gone too far, even though, again, we're talking about bees, which, you know, are a big part of this movie. Mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway, um, R.I.P. Thomas J. Mm-hmm. All right. Amen. So that's it for today. Um, with uh, yeah, what, what are we talking about? What are we talking about next week, Robin? Candyman. Hopefully, hopefully nothing with bees in it. <laughs> Candyman. Oh the no! <laughs> More bees. Unfortunately. Oh boy. All right. Well, looking forward to talking about Nita Costa's Candyman. Oh, I'm sorry, Jordan Peele's Candyman. Um, oh boy. <laughs> Oh, God. Truly, the internet's a terrible place. Yes, we will be talking about Nita Costa's Candyman, which um, I'm excited for, despite things that I've heard, possibly from people who are on this very podcast. And um, we'll be talking about that next week. Uh, in between now and then, don't forget to go to mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day subscription movie to check it out. And uh, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash filmstage to give us your money. So let's tell the fine people where we can be found between now and the next time that we're in their ears. Oh no, it's been too long and I can't remember the correct pronunciation of your last name. Uh Schwedel. Schwedel? Schwedel. <laughs> Did I do it right yeah. the first time? Um there there's a lot of like eh sound in it is like one trick to remember. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> um so um where I can be found um in Brooklyn, New York. Um <laughs> So wander the borough a little bit. Do what you can do. <laughs> Just ask for me. From Greenpoint to um, Red Hook. Everyone knows her name. <laughs> um, you can read my work at slate.com um, and follow me on Twitter at Heather Twit. All right. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. You can also find me on Instagram at Billstagram. Uh, I will not be filming any bead dafts, but I will definitely probably spray some wasps. Because unlike bees, from everything that I understand, wasps were fucking useless. And I'm pretty just sure wasps and hornets are like pointless animals who are only here to yes. cause misery. <laughs> yes. Like they're not I agree, pollinators. And I hate them. They just like eat I ants. Them. It's just weird. Yeah. They uh, kill tarantulas. I, uh, they they decided to nest in my little uh, backyard umbrella, and I was very unhappy about that. So you couldn't yeah. call a Texas bee woman to come and scoop them out. I would not want them to because <laughs> uh, they're not bees, and also because I hate them and they should die. Yeah, one hundred percent. Speaking of dog parks and making friends there, my dog park got closed for two days because of a hornet's nest in one of the trees. Fuck those hornets, man! (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, speaking of uh, the necessity of making friends as an adult, uh, Robin Barr, where can people find your work? First of all, I got plenty of friends, brother. If they're not around you, are they really brother? (laughs) 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 Fucking Hollywood Hogan over here. (laughs) 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 Fucking let's go, brother. (laughs) This is the most animated Bill has been. (laughs) This is the most animated Bill has been in episodes. (laughs) Um, Where can you find me? Uh, I'm uh, Robin Barr, R O B Y N B A H R. uh, You know, at the Twitters. Um, you can sometimes find my writing at the Hollywood Reporter. I'm also on Letterboxd under my name. Don't freak out about my very low ratings because I just ignore the fifth star. I'm a four star 
reviewer. That's right. I forgot to yell at you last week when you gave Annette two stars because I thought it was two out of five. Now that I know that you gave that movie 50%, (laughs) I'm re-mad at you. I gave it an extra half star because I like that fucking puppet <laughs> and I like the last scene. Because it's so gross it turned you on or whatever. It's hilarious it that you're just ignoring the last star. I just ignore it. It's just one to four. It does not ig- it. it does not four exist. Four is the highest it goes and three is a good rating from me. I feel like as Jay-Z said, I think that which is not real to me does not exist. So poof, be gone, son of a bitch. Like, that's what Robin said to the fifth star on Letterboxd. That's what I do. Bye-bye. <laughs> You're dead to me, fifth star. <laughs> Jesus. So in other words, Send the it bees is not for it. your brother. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Awesome. Glad we're doing this. Um, as for me, uh, you can find uh, all my stuff at my personal site, BrianJRowan.com. Uh, I'm on every social media network that I care to be a part of at Brian J. Rowan. And um, you can find my writing and every episode of this here podcast over at thefilmstage.com. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next week. Bye.